What a banger of an intro. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Kind of Funny's Edgar Wright in review. That's right. We are ranking, reviewing, and recapping every Edgar Wright-directed movie. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the big dog, Kevin Coelho. What up? What up, folks? Producer slash seducer, Nick Scarfino. That's right, Tim. I brought my... I brought my recap juice right here. Here we there go. There we go. Recap juice. Oh, two liter Jesus. Yo, two liters, DC. This will be gone by the time we get to the finale. <laughs> yep, yep. There you go. Of course, we have the nitro rifle, Andy Cortez. Great afternoon, everybody. Great afternoon to you as well. And since Greg Miller is not here, he's out in baby land. Uh, Joey Noel watched this movie with us, so she's going to join us to talk about it in the beginning, our spoiler-free thoughts and all that, and then throughout the plot. She won't be part of the ranking because we got to keep it all. There's a sanctity to it all. So we'll see how there that sure all is. goes. When I, think I also about haven't kind of seen funny like shows, half of these movies. <laughs> that's fair. I, I do like to think that we do have a sanctity here. Like mm-hmm. We never, ever break from tradition, and we are always very on the up and up and prim and proper here kind of funny we've never done anything crazy so yeah. that's mm-hmm. good yeah do it it's possible to do it We're remember when we had remember when we had uh that segment greg created called circumcising ragu bagu uh, <laughs> remember hey andy do you remember it when we had actually, that um segment I mean, that greg created called ragu bagu yeah well we were like what does that mean <laughs> bad guys talk bad guys that we created called like did it come too early or something in Halloween? you're a fucking premature pervert, kevin do not say words like that on this show <laughs> this beautiful show kind of funny in review that happens twice a week here on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com if you want to get it as a podcast you just got to search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review and we will be right there for you and the fun thing about this show is that if you're not so into the new episodes coming out we have hundreds of old ones you can go back to i was shocked to see that uh, the last time we did kind of funny's edgar wright in review was february 9th this year <laughs> it feels like three years ago but no that was this year is anyone else surprised by this fact i don't have a sense of time or mm. space anymore mm-hmm. Doesn't and mean i'm happy about, i'm actually happy about this i hate mm. it i feel did lost. we do all of edgar wright this year yeah we did <laughs> yeah it- we did it's constantly Monday and Friday. Like, I'm constantly, yeah. wow, the week just yeah. started. And yeah. then constantly just like, oh, oh the week's about to end. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. I get to 6 o'clock, I get excited and scared because I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot to be scared about. Uh, but like I said, you can get it on YouTube, Rooster Teeth, or podcast services. But if you wanted to get the show ad-free and if you wanted to watch live as we record it, you got to go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny. And you can do just that, uh, just like our Patreon producers, Molecule and Pranksy have done. Uh, we appreciate you both so very, very much. Uh, we're brought to you by MeUndies, Trade Coffee, and Uncommon Goods. But we'll get to all of that later. Uh, we're talking about Last Night in Soho. little fun fact for you here. The title originates from a 1968 hit single by the English pop band Dave D. Dozy. Uh, and a conversation Wright had with Quentin Tarantino, who himself was told uh, that Last Night in Soho was the best title music for a film that's ever been made. So the reason this movie's called Last Night in Soho is because Quentin Tarantino's like, this is a dope song. You should make a movie about it. <laughs> and then here we are. <laughs> Uh, it had a runtime of one hour and 56 minutes. Uh, it was originally scheduled to be released on September 25th, 2020, but was delayed to April 23rd this year due to COVID and then pushed again to October 22nd and then pushed again 
to its final release date of October 29th. We were lucky enough to see it a couple days early. Uh, so that's where our thoughts are coming from. This was directed by Edgar Wright once again. Uh, the budget wasn't clear in this uh, post or during pandemic. I don't even want to call it post uh, phase. A lot of bu budgets of movies aren't necessarily being talked about the same way. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so there's no box office as well as the movie is not even out yet. Uh, but for context, on the walk home, we were talking a little bit about this. I was a little surprised that um, on the, the standee for last night in Soho, it said from the director of Baby Driver. And mm. I was like, huh, like I would have expected more of the Scott Pilgrim and, and uh, the Shot of the Dead for sure. Uh, I know those movies didn't do that well, but I didn't expect the Baby Driver did that well. This is another Tim Memory going away thing because clearly on February 9th, uh, 2021, I did know this fact that Baby Driver made 226 million, yeah. and the second one was Hot Fuzz at 80 million. Yeah. Oh my god. And then yeah. Scott Pilgrim only 50. We we walked out. We talked about that, and I was like, I think I remember. Like at some point, we talked about how this was his most commercially successful film. Baby Driver was, mm -hmm. um, and you were like, That's crazy. I don't know who would have said that to you, and now we know. It's now you. We know. It was me. My own old age. Enemy. Exactly. God. Um, it's it's interesting to see him go like more commercial with this stuff because I think this was this and Baby Driver like wow, Baby Driver felt a lot more like an Edgar Wright film than this did. But it's interesting to watch him kind of spread his wings a little bit with the genres. Keep going, Nick. What what do you think about Last Night in Soho? Um, I I oof, I shouldn't kick this one off. Oh wait, wait, wait I, actually, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Uh, this spoiler free. This is uh, we're gonna give our spoiler free thoughts, and then we will get fully into spoilers in a, in a second. So we'll make that very clear for everybody. Um, I found the movie entertaining. I didn't particularly care for like, I, I, at parts of it. I started getting a little bit bored. Um, I think it's God, I wish I could just start. Yeah, everyone cut this part out, cut this part out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say, I didn't particularly care for this film. Um, and I think the reason why I didn't care for it was I didn't think the horror elements worked particularly well. Um, with all the other elements in it. It's a lot of stuff in the salad on this one for me. Um, and I found myself kind of halfway through this thinking, wow, I really wish this movie was just a movie about Eloise, who is this country person, like Bumpkin, moving Thank to... Thank you. I knew Bumpkin was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the moment he said country, it was only a matter of time. No, I think, I think, I think the, the one of the antagonists... Uh, Fantin. The, I'll, give you, I'll give you 20 bucks. We bet on that one. We bet on that <laughs> one. Um, I, I, liked it. I liked the concept and the setup of her coming from the country and moving to the big city and having trouble adjusting and I, I found that I wish this movie was about her sort of having this like touchstone with this this woman from the 60s that she kind of idolizes and through learning about her kind of figures out how to overcome her own challenges in London in this fa in this fashion school that she's sort of being bullied at I kind of liked all of those elements um, but then you then you start putting the horror elements in and it just kind of feels like at a certain point she's it just gets lost for me um, and I, so I think I like the first 20 minutes of this movie and the last 20 minutes of this movie, but to me, they're not the same movie, which is very, very weird to say. Um, I think the cast did a great job. I think it's beautifully shot. And I think all the music cues really work well in this. And I think they work really, really well to keep the movie going along to the point where you're not like, I was only bored in moments of it, but I did start checking my watch toward the end of it. Unfortunately, Joey Noel. What is, the, what, what is the salad thing you said meant mean? <laughs> Bunch of ingredients. Okay. It means, it means there's there's a lot of things being mixed in here that I think it's one or two too many ingredients, too many plot points, too many genres, too many uh, antagonists, too many themes that they're playing around with that I don't think they did. I don't think it all came together in the end as a like. I don't think I think this movie doesn't do well at being a drama or a com or it's not a comedy at all, a drama or a suspense movie or a horror movie. I think there's just too many. All of those elements just didn't mix very well for me. 
Got it. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I think that all of the performances are really strong. I think the visual style of this movie is really cool. Tying with like the music in the 60s in London. I think all of that is super, super dope. Um, I actually don't, I wouldn't categorize this as horror. I think it's more, yeah. I, so if anybody's like worried about that going into it based on creepy trailer, I don't think it's, it's that. It's scary though. There's like Is jump it? scares for sure. Oh, yeah, I, I think there's some like stuff that will yeah, scare people for gore. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess there's gore. Um, I, I feel like I guess I wasn't. Per- I don't know. So, there. Sorry, just real quick, real quick to interrupt with this. Like Joey's very sensitive about watching scary movies. Like a lot of times she will cover her eyes, and I was sitting next to her, and she didn't. I don't think I didn't yeah. notice you have your eyes covered at all, Joey. Yeah, and I guess we'll probably delve into this more as we talk about spoilery stuff um i there was a lot of the ending that i think was like a little bit muddled in what the messaging of the movie was uh in terms of some character beats that i was like and i will say that for like probably the middle third of the movie i'm like how are they gonna land this plane Mm because they're going in a direction i'm not quite sure what's gonna happen um but overall i think i really i think i liked it i didn't really like it uh it's i i mean i think i'm kind of coming in obviously underprepared to this thing because i haven't seen too many other edgar wright movies so i don't know other than like scott pilgrim i guess i don't think, think i've seen baby very driver. he's there they run the gamut they're very different than this movie they're real like, even, ba- even baby <laughs> driver was super different though. well i don't want to say super different because it had a lot of the same sort of like kinetic energy that he used with music and cuts in this mm-hmm. um and those were the elements of the movie that i liked a lot right i, I liked all the, the the sort of gimmick um of her in the mirrors and them trading places and stuff like that. I just, at a certain point, kind of, yeah, I just, it kind of wore thin for me. Got it. Yeah. Overall, I liked it. It worked for me. As I was walking out, I was talking about like, this is kind of the vibe that I was hoping that Bad Times of the El Royale, which I know I've talked ad nauseum about, had gone where like that movie didn't work at all for me in terms of like stylized period piece, like kind of centered around musical stuff or with like a lot of strong musical cues. Um, and this one worked way better for me. I still don't think it was perfect. Um, and it was a little bit messy at the end, but overall I had a good time. I was never bored, which is why I, one of the critiques from Nick that I find interesting. Cause I was always, even if I wasn't well, sure how they were gonna end it, I was always like well, intrigued. Well, I don't want to spoil it. We'll get into why I was bored yeah. when we start talking about the plot. Um, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll go spoiler free for right now. Andy Cortez. I, I'm kind of closer to Nick where I really enjoyed a lot of the setup. I enjoyed the concepts of a lot of what was happening. Um, I feel like as soon as the veil started being pulled away, I started to care a little bit less as the movie went on near the end of it. Um, As soon as we started kind of getting some solutions and then we started... I don't know. There's just there's stuff we can't talk about yet uh, because of spoiler free stuff. But yeah, I think it started off really, really strong and it was pretty damn strong near the the, the second third of it. But near the end, I just kind of um, once you once Joey was like Joey mentioned, how are they going to land this plane? Once the pilots descending <laughs> and we see the runway, I'm like, I don't know if I care about this a whole lot anymore. And it starts to yeah. starts to feel samey a bit in the way that Edgar Wright is trying to kind of scare you and, and, and kind of, I guess, make you feel dread, you know? Mm-hmm. Evan Koala. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was 
intrigued the entire time. I think that it, while it wasn't scary at all, um, I do think that it had really good moments of suspense that had me kind of like on the edge of my seat and a little freaked out. Um, I overall, I kind of saw where the story was going, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And when it did, I was like, oh, that's I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and there's a moment where it's like, well, what's going to happen here? Because this is a weird place to, to put the story. And I feel like it figures it out. Uh, <laughs> overall, I thought it, the acting was phenomenal. The editing was amazing. The music was really like thought out. And um, especially... Like the, the the way they incorporated music with the uh, with the main uh, protagonist, kind of being um, into this old music and cutting back to different eras was I thought really cool. Um, I, overall, I I really really like this movie. I, I don't do think I, piggy- I love. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I do I do want to piggyback really quick on the acting. I thought the acting was phenomenal. I loved the vision of everything. It's it's a beautifully shot film and it's a beautiful beautifully designed film. Um, that being said, I uh, yeah, I just kind of felt underwhelmed with the way things end up going. You were closing out your point. Oh no! I, I, overall, I thought I it was very pleased with the movie, and uh, I think you know. Uh, it was an interesting take on a new genre for Edgar Wright, and uh, I'm curious to see how, like, if he makes another horror movie or what he learns from it, you know, and how he would change things. It's cool. I think also think because it's Edgar Wright, there were moments that the audience and myself weren't sure whether to laugh or not. Because <laughs> um, there's definitely some humorous lines between characters that are meant to be humorous. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of other stuff in the movie that the audience was laughing at. It's like, we're not, I don't think we're supposed to be laughing at moments like this. Like, but because it's Edgar Wright, you kind of like, when the funny person is starting to get really serious and you're like, (laughs) they're like, no, I'm being serious now. And so I I do feel like tonally that it was at odds with itself in some moments. That's interesting because for me, I I thought that that was something that was really well done. Well, where it's the kind of nervous laughter where you're uncomfortable and that's due to the kind of stress and tension that was uh, built up from this. I really like this movie. I don't love it. Um, I definitely think it fits more into the baby driver camp of Edgar Wright movies as opposed to the uh, first two Cornetto trilogy uh, movies, which I think are 10 out of 10s. Uh, but I, I do appreciate him kind of applying his style and vision to a different genre. I don't think that this is a horror movie. I think it's more of a drama with horror elements um, with a lot of the psychological stuff as well. Um, I think that it is the best R-rated Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, movie that we'll ever get. Like, I think that it's kind of more that type of vibe, and I really appreciate it for that. I think its style outweighs its substance uh, in in pretty much every way, Uh, but its story and characters are captivating, and, like, it's not a high highs, low lows type of movie. It doesn't really have any of either, honestly. I I think that it's just really kind of consistent throughout. Um, The the style comes, the cinematography of the Edgar Wright that we kind of know and love, but I think it was a little bit more on the tasteful side uh, compared to some of his movies, including baby driver. Um, And in terms of sound design, which is so key to Edgar Wright's uh, kind of, momentum of of his films like this is definitely i think the best that he's ever had the the atmos mix on this is truly incredible using every single instrument on different sound channels like to with purpose and i love the use of diegetic sound that he's always been so good at in his movies of even just the things of like 
you know, cups being slammed down to help with transitions to kind of help everything move. But then on top of that, having one of the characters actually be a singer and having that be in the world and the characters are hearing the music as we do almost entirely, unless it's a score. Anytime there's licensed music playing, they're, the characters in it hear it too. And I think that that's really, really good and kind of the strength of the film. I love how it plays with genre, multiple genres and kind of adds them together and kind of is the, okay, what if Edgar Wright's style was applied to this, that, or the other? Um, like I said, I don't think it necessarily is transformative in that way where I don't think that it's like, Oh man, I can't wait to see another, this type of movie from Edgar Wright, but I am interested in seeing a different type of movie from Edgar Wright of kind of taking this and applying it to it. At the end of the day, I guess I like Edgar Wright's style for comedy the best. And uh, that, that this is not that at all. Um, I love the, the idea of the romanticizing nostalgia and what that damage that can actually do. And like, um, I think they do a, a good job kind of dealing with all that. I think that the, there's a pervasive darkness that kind of comes throughout this whole thing that as it goes on, but when we get into spoiler stuff, I was really impressed with the way that Edgar Wright kind of played with my expectations as I was watching it all, where reveals aren't really treated as like these big mind blowing reveals as gotcha moments. It's more like we kind of wanted you to know what was happening there. So we can kind of play with your expectations. I think they did a good job with that. Um, but I do think that there was no like Edgar Wright moment where usually with his movies, I'm like, I can't wait to watch this scene over and over and over for the rest of my life. And baby driver had a bunch of those. This doesn't have any of those. And I think that there's a couple moments. Uh, there's one involving stairs that I think was trying to uh, be that. And it, it just, it didn't do that. It kind of fell a little flat. Uh, but between the two lead actresses and Edgar Wright, like you get to watch two hours of extremely talented people being extremely <laughs> talented in yeah. multiple ways. I just think that at the end of the day, Edgar Wright's narrative structure isn't one of his talents. And that's where like, this, it kind of brings this down from being like amazing to me. Because it used to be, right? Like a, like a lot, like when you think back to the, the Edgar Wright movies that are my favorite, like Shaun of the Dead's one of them, right? And it's 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 my favorite because of the character development and the characters between the two. It has nothing to do with the zombies. The comedy and the zombies and all that stuff really is kind of secondary, even though they're very very strong and obviously go service the the development of the characters. But really, it's it's Sean that we're interested in and watching him kind of become an adult. Um, and I think the plot is almost is like you know we talked about that one being like almost a near like pitch perfect zero fat plot kind of thing. This one just feels like I'm not quite sure what we were going for here. What are we supposed to walk away with here, right? What are we supposed, what's the message of this film? You, you touched on like nostalgia uh, being kind of a double-edged sword. That's one of them. Uh, we delve a, a lot into psychoses um, and schizophrenia and things like that in this movie with, with people not necessarily believing, you know, uh, or her not necessarily understanding kind of what these visions are, except not really, you know, we'll get into that a little more spoiler. So I think a lot of it's very, a lot of it's very muddled, and I wish he had sort of trimmed it down to be a little bit more of a streamlined movie because I think he's better when that happens. Yeah. So those are our spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, does anyone have any spoiler thoughts they want to get out here, or do you want to just get into the plot and talk about them as they go? Let's get more than spot. anything, I just want to watch a concert in Dolby. <laughs> the, the music mix was fucking fantastic. I can't believe how good one. it sounded. Like, I... I, I I think more than anything, this movie sh had the best sound design. I think of I can't think of the last movie we've seen in Dolby because like every time we go to these movies, Tim goes, "Oh, and it's Dolby. You get better get ready." But I've never necessarily ever been blown away 
in this Usually one. Usually it's just real loud. You're yeah, like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and but, in but this that's, one, that's really the difference wild. between a good Dolby mix and just it being in Dolby. And Andy, yes, like this movie, yeah. like Kevin, Kevin, I mean, both of you know this. You've both experienced this in my theater multiple times at this point. Like my Dolby reference things that I show people are Baby Driver and Kong Skull Island. Those are the two like best uses of it that it's just like so good. And man, I can't wait till this is out in 4K Blu-ray because the the Dolby mix in it is incredible. But now let's get please plot 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 I was gonna record the. I was gonna record the upper harmony, but I just I never got to it. Sorry. Tim will lay that down for you later. We'll do it again. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it off with last night in Soho. We start out in the country, and we're introduced to Eloise and her grandma. And her grandma's like, "We're in spoilers now, right?" Oh yeah. Like full plot, full spoilers. And she's like, "I know you see dead people," and you're like, "Is this movie going to be the Sixth Sense?" Except we know what's going on the entire time. Spoilers. It is. Uh, evidently, she's got the superpower where she can see her mom's dead body in mirrors and shit. Who do we just lose? Oh, we lost Mike. Um, that tripped me out for a hot second. Uh, but it doesn't matter because that's an element we throw in here. But Ellie seems pretty happy either way because she's going to London to, to the fashion industry uh, to go to fashion school in London. And her grandma's like, be careful because everyone is going to want to kill you in London. And she's like, oh, grandma, I'll be okay. I can take care of myself. And grandma's like, no, seriously, literally from the second you get off the tube everyone you encounter is going to try to fucking kill you. And she's like, okay, cool. Uh, so let me, let me stop off. you there. Uh, Cause you're, you're going really fast over this intro, this intro that I missed. And I just, you know, need to <sighs> explain some stories here. I miss parts of this intro because one of my least favorite things that can happen is missing the beginning of a fucking movie. So I'm stressed yeah. out. We're waiting to get our, our concessions and all this stuff. And immediately I'm seeing this all happen. I'm like, I'm going to end up being stuck here. Uh, having to bring a bunch of drinks in. And I don't like this one at all. Kevin's like, hey, can you order me this? Joey's like, can you order me that? And I'm just like, no, I don't like this. I don't want to be stuck with this. Guess what happened? To be fair, we Guess were gonna go, we were going to make sure we had seeds. Andy had a hand us had us covered. No, no, no. It Andy was a, just, just so you know. Yeah, it was no, essential. No, no, no. Oh. I had four seats. Right. I had we, four seats that we were in my there, row. Andy. And then people started being redirected over here. And she said, she looked at me, she said, Your friends will sit down here in these four seats now. Because we just can't wait anymore. Yep, that's the thing. When we got in there, the lady was like, like, basically, like, is all of you guys are here? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, like, it's going to get hard to hold the seats down. And I was like, ma'am, just so you know, I will fight people for these seats. <laughs> and she was like, it's not even a joke. I actually said it. And you she was like, that, yeah. great, great. You might have to. I was like, yeah. don't worry, we got it. And so from my like, point she, of view, I'm getting a text from Mandy that says, I got seats. I got you. So I'm like, cool. Not my problem. Well, well, Andy we got didn't us. know that. Not just because y'all weren't listening to me as I, I said. I heard you it say that. Times. I didn't believe it. I, I heard you say that. Cool. I didn't believe matter. you. And Andy just confessed that he lost four seats that had to move down. No offense, Andy. Honest, I'm not trying I didn't to offend lose you. Them. They just transferred. I'd like to tell you my side story here. I'm super <laughs> anxious because I'm like, I really <laughs> hope so have mad. hot dogs. They didn't have hot dogs last time we came, and I was just looking forward to a hot dog. And Andy, Did they have hot dogs? They had hot dogs. Nice. Did you get one? Yeah, I did get one, and I offered. I say, I asked Andy if he wanted to split it with me. He said that's good. It was no, no, really funny. Like Tim dramatically was like, "I'm not getting any shit for no one," and Nick was just like, "I'll get your thing." I was like, "All right, thanks, Nick." <laughs> well, it was. Well, well, and then we said that is the point of my story. What like, is the that, point? Of I was, your story? That was set up to get to the point of my story, okay. which is then me, Nick, and Gia are left to hold all of these multiple drinks with like these these orders where Joey wants, drinks. Joey wants Joey wants 
the vanilla diet coke right yeah, oh God, she joe. is getting her icy joe. like everyone has their own their own orders kevin wanted some queen of england thing. over no, here and joey regular coke and candy diet coke oh, and i told God, nick nah. the candy get me the poppy cut kevin asked for candy that's seen? in the basement they got to go get it in the fucking basement like, this, this is a great kind of funny podcast this is a great kind of funny podcast sorry tim go ahead all of you so much because literally i have a simple story to fucking tell just tell the story Please tell Let's just us go the on story. With the plot. Go on Tim, with the plot, please guys. tell us this. I will say this, Tim. The most annoying thing about that theater is they have, Andy, they have five of those touch Coke machines. Which I'm like, guys, COVID, guys, we shouldn't be touching anything. Every machine has a different soda that it's out of. <laughs> I had to yeah. go to fucking five oh, and then different the machines sh- to find Kevin's Coke. Tim, we and walked in. I have no idea. Hold what on. Wait, stop, hold everyone. On. Everyone stop. Thank you, Nick. For telling the story that I was trying to tell. There you go. About the fucking machines. Too many but, it's too many Cokes. Next time, guys, here's the deal. And then, you know what's funny, Tim, is I'm honestly shocked that I wasn't freaking out. But I didn't I can't I saw you guys when I walked into the Metreon and y'all were eating French fries. And Kevin's like, Nick, you gotta try these French fries. And I was like, Yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know, it's this is a Tuesday. And I was Joey, I was so taken by these french fries they're so I, good i didn't realize i only left myself by the way 20 minutes to get concessions to get in the theater cut forward 15 minutes later i'm still eating this french fries and kevin goes hey we should probably get up there and i was like oh shit what are we doing anyway <laughs> uh i didn't see the beginning of this either but andy kind of filled me in on what the grandma says she's like i see dead people so we go over to london <laughs> no <laughs> and of course uh right when she gets out of the tube the first guy that she and uh, she uh uh meets is this taxi driver who's creepy as shit um and she's like it's okay i'm gonna go into this uh store instead and guess what she finds herself a diet coke and i'm like this movie might be pretty good after all right it was a regular coke but i had a diet coke so i thought about that coke very much sponsored this movie there's cokes everywhere everyone's naming each other cokes sorry and beats headphones and beats by oh yeah the beats were egregious very Um, prominent (laughs) well i think it was on purpose i think it was like showing the difference in in time between then and now with the beats and then the coke also with like just like showing the different types of logos and how basically the branding was throughout for sure um uh, i want to give a shout out to uh thomasine mckenzie here who is our lead who plays eloise or ellie uh she's great fantastic fantastic she's so good very very Uh, jojo uh, rabbit and old Jojo Rabbit, that's the only one I remember. Uh, and also, also, we'll get to Anya Taylor Joy, who did, I thought did a great job too. Actually, I think everyone did a great job in this. Um, from here, we go over to, I think she hides in the convenience store after this. We go over to her dorms where we meet her uh, her roommate, who is going to be spoilers. The second you see this person, you're like, you're going to be an antagonist. You're going to be a dick. Uh, and she is. She is Jacosta, played by Sinov Carlson. And man, I'll tell you what, Kevin, it's one of those where the O in her name has one of those lines through it. Like it's like a, like, no, mm. we didn't mean to put mm. this O yep. in this. Omega. So cool. Oh, the, you know, the no. O sounds, this one's different. This one's like, different. God damn it. How is it different? <laughs> You're never going to know you stupid American. You don't understand other languages. Uh, she's great. Obviously I, I love. She's the, a really the, fun character. I love the recurring theme of the two dumb underlings who are like, you're so brave. So brave. Uh, <laughs> so fucking good. And, See, but uh, those are, th- those are the. Those are the Edgar Wright isms that we're used to that happen so seldom that if you didn't know it was an Edgar Wright movie, it would just feel weird and out of place, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But like the fact that, you know, it's Edgar Wright, you go, oh, I love when he does stuff like that. But there just wasn't enough of it because this is supposed to be totally a lot different. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I needed a bit more of that with like when we get the really clever editing, when a character 
I guess we got one later moment where she's like, look, I would never leave in the middle of the night. And we see her leaving in the middle of the, in night. The middle of the night. I yeah. expect things like that from Edgar Wright movies, you know, in, in spades. And I just don't feel like we got a whole lot of it. It was, I mean, it was markedly more subdued in this, but I think that was on purpose, obviously. Yeah. The, t- the more somber tone of the project. I should also note that uh, we've set up that Ellie's mother has uh, uh, committed suicide, uh, which she talks about here a little bit as well. Um, and she can see her it, mother. It did kind of seem like she was being haunted by her mother, right? Like it wasn't, it I wasn't like know, a friendly she, thing. Her mom was like, "What's up?" And she's like, oh, mom, "Mom's here again." But oh, like I wonder, like how? Yeah, there's mom guess, there all the time, or what's yeah, the, you might the have first time that. Yeah, sorry, the first time we see the mom, it is a positive where the mom's like smiling, and yeah. she looks at her and she's like, "It's good news, isn't it?" And the mom kind of like like she doesn't nod, but she kind of smiles in that nodding way. And that's when she finds out she gets into the school. Right. So, like, yeah, that setup was really quick, but it was like, oh, she's hanging out with the mom. Then the grandma refers to the mom's ghost as, like, do you see her and and stuff? Is she here? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And that made it seem more negative. She's like, no, I haven't seen her in a long time. Um, It reminded me, weirdly enough, of the mirror in Harry Potter, where he was like, I see my parents and everything's great. You're like, this is fucking creepy thank you i, I thought i was gonna say agamemnon Agamem- no, no, that's <laughs> the eye that was the eye I, agamotto is it agamotto. from troy yes that's oh, true yes, you, you know what joey you we're mixing it. lots <laughs> of things here okay i had half my popcorn last night it was so good and then we're gonna get to that popcorn story in a second don't let me forget that's the only reason i said i told tim i'd be on this show so don't we could tell that story let me forget <laughs> jackals all a these new people. podcast within a podcast called pop drop <laughs> Don't let me forget that. Go Tim. fuck yourself. Of course, this dorm is not all it's cracked up to be. We also get introduced to uh, a quasi love interest we have in this, uh, whose name is I don't. I'm John. John is his name. I only know that because of Wikipedia. I don't know if they say it in the movie, but he I was really hilarious. He was like hilarious. Him. Yep. I like his character development. I like his relationship with her. And like he feels like a very believable character, which I it's appreciate. Funny. I, it's funny that you say that because he's very believable until two-thirds of the way through this movie, in which case I'd be like this. This is now unbelievable to me because no. this guy is dealing with someone who has almost stabbed someone in the face with a fucking knife. And he's like, just tell me what's going on. Tell me how to help you. Here's how you help her. She went unhinged. Yeah, and why? He, but he's no, still yeah, like, like call for help, shit. like get like yeah. real. <laughs> call the police and let's let's get this person some psychotherapy. I, I don't know, man. Like that's that's a hard call to be like. All right, now I'm gonna have to call the police on this person because she seems unwell. I, I, it's never like I've known a lot of unwell people. I've never made that call. Uh, this well, I, his yeah, character is weird actually, to me because he's simultaneously <laughs> very invested, but like not. He doesn't know her that well. <laughs> well so I feel I, like it puts it in it, it puts his character in a weird position of like, I want to help you, but I don't know how to help you. That's why it's weird, right? So to me, it's one of those things like had they been dating for a while, I'd be like, okay, you've got more of an emotional investment in this person. But it gets to the point where it's like, I, I don't know, it just didn't toward, toward a certain point of like no rational human being would like would would deal with all of the things he's dealing with the way he's dealing with them. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it's not the main character. We'll move on. She uh, wears an awesome beanie, so I love the guy. Uh, um, one, one thing about the the all the, like, random guys that we were introduced over the time that, like, were very aggressive, that, like, it was very reminiscent of, like, what Paula, like, tells me walking around being, like, a, a woman is, like, like, even, like, she, I don't know. It just, it's interesting... 
and it was nice to see the the um this guy care john yeah be like the the break from that because we first get introduced it's like she's running away from the taxi guy and she meets him we're kind of like oh is he another one of these guys that is like gonna be like super aggressive yeah, right, right, right and right. it's like suddenly it's like no here's a reprieve from that this guy is way more chill and just saying hi but she's got her guard up and then we kind of see him whittle away whittle that really down. enough the, the biggest point of uh, what i felt was tension for me in this movie was waiting for the other shoe to drop with john i was like i wonder if he's gonna be a fucking mm. scumbag something like part of me was like i wonder if he's gonna do something fucking creepy like when they when they got the drinks and shit handed i was like i don't know anyway when, when, the, when she got the drinks cool handed from by jacosta uh, I, like, I was like what the fuck don't fucking drink that don't drink that i really i was saying alluding to this earlier in the spoiler free thing but one thing i really appreciate about this movie is it gives us as an audience all of the right things to think about and like name drops and like lines that are kind of repeated over the different eras to put things together uh so that when we we get reveals we're like not surprised by them because it's like it was built up correctly and on top of that like things like this with this guy it's making us question it's making us think and not be so sure so we're like thinking extra hard about every action that they take and i thought that that is kind of the movie's greatest success throughout the entire thing consistently i'm looking at character motivations and i think they all really line up well uh that even if they're not the biggest surprise i don't think they're ever meant to be the biggest surprise hmm. uh ellie of course uh, meets rest roommates that they, they, she tries to stay in the dorm that night uh but there's like a party going on and she's like oh this is not tenable the next day she goes to class she's late uh, unfortunately bro are we gonna talk about the fact she falls asleep on the damn sofa that's in the middle of a party and, and john steals her coke which was like just the perfect cherry on top of like everything's going poorly and and yeah. john being like oh what's your name ellie i think this Shit. is yours it's I like oh my god how are so you funny. how are you able to sleep out there and not in how the room where two people bluetooth are banging? headphones stay in the room where everything. people are banging and like no, You're not going to be on a couch in a crowded yeah, party. Andy, a terrible there's, decision. There's she got like undergarments thrown at her and stuff like that. That yeah, room. She's also be... not some sort of pervert, Andy. All right, maybe you'd yeah, be a comfortable Andy. doing that. Exactly. She's a country like, bumpkin, as Nick put it. She she's has no idea what to do with herself. She can just she's look never at the wall. seen underwear. Just before, look at the wall and pretend like, it's not happening. Her, the situation she puts herself is like a nightmare scenario for me, where I have nowhere to sleep. And the only place to sleep is around a lot of people that are partying. That, that will fuck with awful. you. Oh, dude, yeah. you're getting you're getting Sharpie on the face for sure. One time I slept no, in a bathtub you think so? my buddy snored too much. Uh, oh yeah, dude, at a fucking but design like, school. These kids are doing meth. They're they're fucking partying. Yeah, but like I, I think that I, I think you ever hung they're out with someone who makes clothes for a living? They're fucking weird people. I man. feel like they in party. 2020 with a bunch of people that don't know each other, they're probably not. They're probably you know not messing with the sleeping kid. But I think it, it built into, like, her character where, like, she was able to just fall asleep there because she was so invisible to everybody at that party because mm. she was not anybody that any that they I'm going to tell you one about. thing right now, though. If you're, if you're someone who everyone <laughs> thinks is weird because you're not from, like, the traditional place that people would come from to go to a super ritzy, artsy, fartsy school, don't fall asleep on the couch in the middle of a party. Just, like, as a pro tip, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to, like, you know, kind of skate underneath the radar a little bit. Don't take your whole fucking bedding, wrap it around yourself, put your beats by Dre on, and just fall asleep on a couch like you just did some sort of fucking weird drug that no one's ever heard of before that just knocks you out for five hours. I digress. Uh, the next day, she's like, this is not tenable. They've gone to a bar as well. We've already established she's gone to the Tavern on the Green or whatever this bar was called. Uh, that's <laughs> over in London. 
Uh, and by the way, every single shot of the city makes me really want to go back to London, uh, yeah. especially when she's walking around all those areas. It's super cool. Love that city. Super cool. Um, she, uh, of course, uh, at school finds one of those little, like a little thing that's on the on the floor. And I also, I, I like this too. I like this bit of storytelling where it's it's fallen off the board, and she like looks down and sees it on the ground. She picks it up, and it's like a uh, room for rent. Uh, women only uh, uh, come to this place. Be be fucking cool. So she calls <laughs> be lady up. Fucking cool. She calls Lady up, and uh, we go. I think there's a couple more scenes in here, but we're gonna go over there. We're gonna cut to the chase here. Uh, this house is above a French restaurant uh, called the French Le French Restaurant. <laughs> I think is what the <laughs> sign said, uh, and it's very garlicky. But the room is pretty cool, and we get introduced to Mrs. Collins, uh, who is played by Diana Rigg, and I'll get I'll give anyone the rest of this two liter bottle if you can tell me what house she's from in Game of Thrones. Charles. There you go. There you go, Kevin. Good job. She's the head of house. You're not allowed to drink God, anymore. That's it's where mine she now. is. God yeah. damn, you're right. Elena. She's I Elena. couldn't do it. I, I couldn't physically do it. I was like, she's from Harry Potter, probably. Maybe she was an nope. old lady in, in Hot Fuzz. Where is she from? Man. Weirdly enough. Weirdly enough, she, she also, I just looked this up. She also played Tracy, uh, who was a play on Teresa from one of the books in Her Majesty's Secret Service. She marries Bond and dies at the end. And she's <sighs> the one he says we have all the time in the world to. Going back is, to our Bond review. I was asking uh, Joey this, but like, there's one of the Bonds that isn't a real Bond movie, right? Yes, that's called Never Say Never Again. There Thank was a you. big kerfuffle with that. I, It's actually a remake of Thunderball. Both good movies. Of course. Um, what's up, Jim? I just thought a fun thing here. I didn't want to uh, jump into the Game of Thrones because I already read it from the, the um, trivia stuff I was looking at. But yeah, so the James Bond thing is interesting. Also, the drink that they end up getting in this, Nick, is... The Vesper. The Vesper, baby. Yeah, uh, more James Bond stuff. Yeah, and then uh, the other old woman in this uh, is also from a James Bond movie. And both of the older women in this movie oh. died uh, before the movie came out. So Sad the Marsh, movie's right. dedicated to the two of them. Oh, that's nice. Are they that's both really named good. Diana? No. Uh, both named Diana Rick, which is crazy. Same name. Well, because it <laughs> did start and it said, uh, oh, you guys didn't see that, or some of you. Because it no. said in memory and or I were for Diana. the Coke machines outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them totally didn't have ice in I'm like, are you, are you kids? Like, Nick, there's some you, kid in the back, like, fucking with us. You brought right? me the flattest Coke ever. And, uh, I, Kevin, I couldn't even drink it. I couldn't even drink it. Uh, Tim, as God's fucking honest witness, and maybe you didn't see this, but Gia did. I poured you a Coke, Kevin, looked at it, and I thought to myself, that doesn't look right. Should Went to the it. other machine, poured it out, and re-poured the Coke for you. Mm. It looked exactly the same. I was like, that's not going to taste right. Yeah. But we've run out of time. Put the I, did brand, and I, brought it I did something brand new last night, everybody. Ooh. I filled up about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters worth of Coke Zero. The rest of it, root beer. What is – you're crazy. Get the you're and I got to say, freestyle, was, baby. It was a fantastic Wait, decision because I always do the cherry. Really and I never, I've done the cherry edition at the end of the, okay, the little, Coke little Zero thinking that it's yeah, ever going to be a good decision and it never is. I'm no, never happy no. with it. The root beer, though, it just kind of like I tasted root beer always, but I had all of the caffeine of the Coke Zero because root, root beer is caffeine free. And I don't want like I need caffeine. Yeah. Um, it was a great decision. I highly recommend it to anybody who loves root beer but kind of wants a hint to caffeine. You're going to get all that taste with all the energy, everybody. 
We're Perfect. standing at these freestyle machines. There's like eight of them next to each other. Me, Nick, and G all have at least two drinks in our hands. Some of us three. And we're all we're just trying to get these things. A simple order. The Diet Vanilla Coke and Kevin wanted a Coca-Cola. I'm, I'm sorry. Still, I didn't realize how close you were and that was a bitch. Right. No, Diet, but here's, no, here's Diet the problem. Coke. Joey's out here up the countryside, the fucking Queen's <laughs> estate. We got to go hunt the fucking the Queen's I was deer. trying to set the tone. We're going to London. <laughs> sorry, Tim. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, yeah. So... Uh, God damn it. I'm just so flustered right now, you guys. I yeah, am so yeah, incredible. Nick, just flustered. shut up, Nick. <laughs> it's like, let people just tell a story, you guys. Like, Tim, come I'm on, sorry. You know what, Tim? I'm going to mute like, my no, mic. This is not worth it. It's I'm so mute frustrating. My, it's still, everyone mute your mics. Everyone mute your mics. Oh, God. Look I, I just Nick. found the good in people last night because we're standing there and the three of us are trying our best to just deal with the situation and get these things. We walk up to the machine and like one of them, the Coke is out. One of them, the Diet Coke is out. So it's like, you'd think, that that would be the same button to get to it, but it's not. So we have to go machine by machine to get all these different flavors and try to figure it out. And that's the moment that we're all like, this is just getting even worse. And now here's the problem, or no, here's the thing that made me just so happy is there was other people also having the same issue we were. And it turned into this group thing. It felt like a Spider-Man movie when New York just was like, yo, we're with you, Spider-Man. Literally, it's like, yo, you got you got the, the Diet Coke over here? Yeah, hey, you get over here. Yo, does that one got Fanta? Yo, we got some Fanta over here. And it was just a beautiful beautiful moment of everyone coming together so shout out to you san francisco you came through last night and we got people all their drinks flat or not andy tim's embellishing it was actually more like the support group from the beginning of endgame where it was like nothing is good this is terrible we just gotta get through this together anyway i digress Tim, you're spot on that one dude that was like yo you gotta go down to the the the, the fifth machine i was like he's like one what's up dropping like, knowledge man. that dude yeah. was like i'm the guy we're gonna lead you out of the tunnel in the zombie apocalypse uh anyway so she's like cool i'll take the room and the room's got one of those lights that fucking drove kramer nuts in that episode of seinfeld where it's like oh, the, crazy neon lights, the neon yeah, lights the neon lights uh, but she falls asleep to it and wakes up and goes for a walk in her jammies. And I think this is the first time we see uh, London Soho of the 60s. And what? Oh, man, let me tell you, somebody really loves Thunderball there. You want to talk about Never Said Ever Again? This was the, the Thunderball. The, and I love this. I love this poster. It's a big billboard for Thunderball. And she goes into this theater. And when that's where she looks over and we meet Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Sandy, for the first time wearing this amazing uh, pink shift dress, I think is what that, that that kind of dress is called. Joey, maybe you can help me out here. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> it's like really long for a shift dress, but that's the general style. Similar to that. And everyone's like, it's revolutionary, Ellie. Where did you get the idea for this? And it's like, well, it was very popular in the 60s, this dress. The 60s, uh, baby, yeah. It's like the, the, it's like the quintessential dress of the 60s, maybe. That but it has like, the cool like duster jacket over it. It was cool. It, it, it was reminds so cool, me of right? the uh, awesome. Austin Powers girl, the boobs shooters. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those were night, night jumps. Like very similar. Mm -hmm. The Fembots, yeah. Um, but before we move on, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Me Undies. Are you ready for mashed potato season, aka turkey with gravy and cranberry sauce season, aka every kind of pie and more season? Well, Me Undies is here with the softest and stretchiest undies in the game, so you can be ready for seconds and thirds baby i love me undies i have for a very long time even right now of course i'm wearing my lounge pants the undies themselves and the socks i love having that soft micromodal fabric all over my body they have undies and loungewear made out of soft breathable stretchy fabrics that are perfect for everything from pre-dinner activities to post-dinner naps uh, me undies also has a great deal for you guys uh, for any first-time purchasers you can get 15 percent off and free shipping me undies also has a promise if you're not satisfied with any product for any reason you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days to get 15 off your first order 
free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash morning. That's MeUndies.com slash morning. And next up, shout out to Trade. Are you the kind of person who falls asleep already thinking about the next morning's coffee? Well, Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. The journey to your perfect cup starts with taking their coffee quiz. You use a French press, automatic drip, you're a cold brew person? No problem. Trade will match you to coffees you'll love from 400 plus craft coffees and will send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you'd like. Trade guarantees you'll love your first match. On the off chance that you don't though, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. Me and Cool Gray had a lot of fun going through the quiz, trying to find him his perfect coffee and he has been having a great time with Trade. Uh, for you guys out there right now, Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, just go to drinktrade.com slash kind of funny and use promo code kind of funny take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup that's drinktrade.com slash kind of funny promo code kind of funny for your first bag free and five dollars off of your bundle that's d-r-i-n-k-t-r-a-d-e.com slash kind of funny and next up shout out to uncommon goods if you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this season it's never too early to start looking no matter who you're shopping for uncommon goods is the place to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone me and gia actually recently just did a puzzle that we got from them that was a lot of fun just for some like bonding date night time and there's actually a bunch of really cool date night options there uh there was one thing that i was looking at that is a date night painting where you get this uh you get the package and you actually get a 90 minute uh, session with an instructor you guys get to paint together it's a whole thing it sounds like a blast uncommon goods looks for products that are high quality unique and often handmade they have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere and with every purchase you make uncommon goods gives one dollar back to a non-profit partner of your choice that's awesome to get 15 percent off your next gift go to uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny that's uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny for 15 percent off don't miss out on this limited time offer uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny back to it now tim we got a lot of podcasts from the podcast right pop drop mm-hmm. coming up uh don't forget that never forget <laughs> don't forget Can we, pop drop. is it would it be inappropriate now to do wigging out or should we do that later i think now is the only appropriate time to do it yeah is it a wig i don't know Wigging out with Scarpino. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Academy Award-winning podcast within the podcast. Wigging out with Scarpino. Was Anya Taylor-Joy wearing a wig the entire time? And then why did they also, the answer is yes, why did they also put Eloise in a bad blonde wig when she dyes her hair? And then a bad brunette wig after this. Stop using wigs. We can just use our real hair, people. They can't. They can't, Nick. Anya Taylor-Joy can't do her own hair anymore because she fried it with bleach accidentally. So now she wears wigs in all of her movies. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, her hair kind of looks particularly thin to be able to pull off that much volume in a 60s hairdo, you know? You know what? I stand corrected. The wigs were fine then. If there was, a, if it, listen, if there's a medical reason for a wig, i.e. you're losing your hair, Nick, and one day you're going to want to look like Captain America, so put the wig on, that's totally fine. That's acceptable. End podcast. Get back to the plot. We're seeing cool shit and mirrors here. There's lots. This is where we get the gimmick of her training in and out. Uh, I thought this was interestingly done. Uh, of course, we're also uh, introduced to Matt Smith's character here, Jack, who uh, is kind of a Lothario and apparently a talent manager, I think, even though I'm not quite sure. Uh, Sandy's it's like, I'm not even going to bother asking anyone about this guy. I'm just going to sign up with him. 
and so he's like, well, you can't start here in this cool club. You got to start at the, over at the Rialto. And she's like, cool. I'm not even going to bother asking what the Rialto is. I'm just going to sign up. Uh, but that's, I think, a story for another day. And then uh, 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 Eloise wakes up and she's like, oh, my God, I'm in love with London in the 60s. It also set up that she loves all this old music. So she starts playing all the old music again. The next day she goes to class and they're like, what are you going to design? And she's like, I'm bringing a little taste of the 60s back to current day Soho with this shift dress. And I'm saying shift dress. Someone in the chat's probably going to like be like, Nick, that's not what that is. You just know that because you watched one season of Project Runway. Spoilers. I watched two seasons of Project Runway. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers, okay? Uh, so she draws this and she draws Sandy. And it's actually I'm like, wow, this, this kid's got some chops when it comes to the old art. Um, again, I never went to art school or fashion school. But Andy, is this what it's like? You're in a cool shop setting that's like dope and like high ceilings and everyone's got easels and shit and people are like very artistic. Yeah, there's always models. Again, uh, I think the first nude model I drew, uh, the dude looked like Smeagol, uh, which oh. was fantastic because you want you want to be able to draw all of the the musculature and stuff. Like it, you know, it, it's really easy to draw that stuff. But like this looks like <laughs> I would not do well in that environment. <laughs> but this looked really. This looked really, really expensive. Like this. You had four hours, and all you did was draw this guy's schwanz. It's just. <laughs> I mean, like, I gotta quit this it's school. The I gotta most go back. detailed dick the world <laughs> has ever so seen. Perfect. And that's the thing. Like, these are four-hour classes, so you would have been right on with that. Oh <laughs> like, man, long classes. God, that would have been great. Uh, anyway, it makes me wish I had gone to an art school because this looks super cool. Uh, and just, just the idea again, going back to like the like the setup for this, the idea of her being in this cool fashion school in London. It's Dope. I love that idea. Very, very cool. Uh, she also needs a job, so she decides at one point to go apply for a job over at the bar uh, where they all party. Because she needs to pay for the apartment. Yeah, she has to pay for the apartment. Uh, she's like, I'll get it done somehow. We, we get the setup also of, uh, of uh, Mrs. Collins being like, hey, don't leave me in the middle of the night. She's like, I would never do that. And that's the joke earlier. Uh, she goes over, gets the job, uh, gets the job. Um, and this is one of those things where I'm like, London, listen, I know you're a cool city, but I got a bone to pick with you. Why is there a bar on top of a bar? What's cool? What, what, you got to drink that much, people in London? You got no, a pub was, and then underneath one the pub bar. is another pub? No, no, there's there's one bar. Multiple stories. Yes, yeah, two, two floors. Stories. You've been a two story pub before? Yeah. There's on the first story is where you drink, on the second, the bottom story is where you pee, usually. That's where the bathrooms oh. are in Europe. Usually on the bottom. Just no, made that up. Yeah, he's definitely. <laughs> he's, you guys, he's every place in, in Europe, every place in London, the bathrooms are always down a very narrow, very slippery set of stairs. And when you go down there, they're weird bathrooms, and they don't put enough water in their toilets. Full <clears> stop. Actually, it's Tim, weird. Tim, Greg, Jen, and I ate at a restaurant that was a two-story place, really, really tightly cramped area. Um, and that was like a two-story kind of bar restaurant sort of thing. So, I I don't know, Nick. It seems like you're maybe you're Isn't wrong. Isn't like Rick House two yeah. stories like that? No, Rick House has like a mezzanine. Story. That doesn't count as a top. Downstairs, and they have like a whole second bar. That's do they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it is more of a messy. San Francisco is more of a back end, front end thing. San Francisco, a very European city. We've always said this. Think I about let's say, move on. Think about the Hard Rock in Disneyland. That's it, or not Hard Rock? The other ESPN Studios or whatever the what's that Zone. restaurant called? The Hard Rock. ESPN, ESPN Zone. Zone. ESPN yeah. Zone. That's a two story place. Okay, good that, wings there. Great that's wings. That's downtown Disney. They built it on purpose. Because the, rain, the Rainforest Cafe has a volcano in it. That's, I don't know what we're trying to fucking prove here. Okay? It's a dumb joke that ran into the ground. Spoilers. Welcome to Kind of Funny Content. Subscribe, like, share. Uh, so she gets the job, and this is where we meet Terrence Stamp, who you'll all remember, of course, 
from uh, Superman 2. He's Zod. This is Zod right here. Oh, Zod. shit. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. You're right. Also, yeah. Nick, you are very good at noticing weird details. Like, later when you're like, his hair. I didn't notice that. They did. They did a good job. So his hair is longer, and he's got kind of his a fun hair. little like thing he does with his mouth. Well, I don't want. I want to spoil that moment when it comes later. Right. Uh. So he's and he's like kind of creepy. And you're like, oh, this guy's kind of fucking creepy. Yeah. But again, for shit. Instead of asking anyone in her sphere about this guy, she just goes about her business, right? She's like, I'm gonna keep going about my business. What is she and gonna then, ask, Nick? Like, uh, anybody know about this weird guy? And they're just gonna be later. She asks someone, and they're like, Oh yeah, he's just a. What do they call him? Hansy. Right? That's his yeah. nickname? His nickname yeah. is Hansy because mm-hmm. he gets handsy. It's true. Octopus he, does, call he does get handsy. We set this character oh, up right. as octopus, potentially yeah. an octopus. Uh, and then we cut back over, right? She's like, hey, well, I got to go back into this dreamland. And this is where we get her audition at the Rialto uh, where Matt's like, this is an audition. And she sings this uh, a cool song, a cappella. Does a really good job of it. And he's like, great. It's you fantastic. What oh, else she's so good. This- the the mm-hmm. use of music in this movie, like we can compliment it in so many different ways, but just let Nanya Taylor Joy just sang, like just go for it and just let it happen, and just you were just transported to a different world. I was so entranced by this scene. Um, great, and you're like everything is coming up roses. Um, too bad I've seen the trailer where Matt Smith fucking stabs her. Uh, so. Oh. We cut back over. Uh, we get Jack some stuff with Jack. I think there's a Halloween party at some point. Uh, yeah. This is the most right important there. part of the Halloween party. Time for another podcast with our podcast, Nick. Oh, is this the is this the pop, pop drop? The pop drop, pop baby. Drop. <laughs> well, before we get to that, there's no a something other scary happened right before the the right before the Halloween sequence because I was feeling scared uh, and then well, that, it calms down once the halloween kind of like yeah i gotta get going and then i was like i'm gonna go right now to the restroom well i think day. i think uh, well i'll just fill in some of the details uh, at one point we cut back to the rialto and she goes back in there but it's not what she assumed it was it's actually more of like a gentleman's club kind of a burlesque show yeah. uh, where she sees her dressed uh, I, I like the costumes on here she's literally figuratively dressed like a a toy a play thing Right for these guys, um, and that's going to be the theme going forward. Because in fact, uh, Matt Smith is not a talent manager in the traditional sense; he's more of a uh, pimp, and he is pimping her out to the uh, to these horrible gentlemen that are in this place trying to take advantage of her. Uh, and this is including where- the guy that like was creepy to her in the first bar right. that I think we might have missed. Who but I, well, oh yeah, we did. did he punch right? He yeah, punched him, but we all we assume that's probably kind of set up for. I imagine that was like their their thing they do, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like I'll defend your honor and then get get you know get her trust and then kind of corrupt that. Unfortunately, really messed up. It's really messed up. Uh, we also get introduced to this uh, this one dude who I I need to look up. I don't know what the guy's from, but I've seen him and stuff. And he's got the longer hair, and he's the one where she's like, "Are you a vice cop?" And he's like, well, "You go, you gotta get out of here. You're not met. You're not cut out for this." And you're like, "This guy's later, but yeah, is that way later or whatever?" Um, then. We cut over to uh, the Halloween party, and Jack's like, "Hey, I want you. I want you to go to this Halloween party with me." She's like, "Listen, sorry, I'm, before I'm we get there, gone. we also get a terrifying shot of like her running through the halls. Right? Is this the point? Such a good shot, yeah. Where you see little vignettes of like all of the different green rooms that all these girls are in, right? And, and you have girls doing drugs time. and overdoing and yeah. giving guys blowjobs and like all of these different things. And that's like the point when you realize like." Oh, this is all that shit very different eyes, than man. what she thought. I was like, I need this shit in 120 frames right now. This shit hurts my eyes. Like <laughs> when it's like slow pans like that, I'm like, ah, 24.97 frames. It hurts my eyeballs. But there was um, there was something else. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was. There, there, there's a jump scare 
like right the fuck here it somewhere. Was, it might be as she's it? running through the end of the hallway. Well, also a lot yeah, of she, the most terrifying thing in this whole movie were the fucking cabs. The cabs just coming out of nowhere trying to fucking kill every <laughs> single person. Yeah. You are walking <laughs> in the streets without even looking. That's Kevin, a lot of time when that's happening. They drive on the wrong side of the street, dude. You're least it, looking Nick, the wrong way. I get it. I get it. Uh, like they no, want to try I, to kill Americans every time I you go to this damn country. I think that it was the second dream that ends with her running through the house, and I think, or the 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 back room of the the club. bar, the club, club. and then yeah. she closes the door and then is in her. She wakes up twice. She has like yeah. that fake wake up. She's, moment. she's in That's her right. her like house, and Matt Smith is kind of being where like, you go you're you gonna do this, yeah. and grabs mm-hmm. her arm. That and then was she a thinks she wakes up. Yeah, she thinks she wakes up. Then she gets her arm grabbed again, and then actually because of the up. sound design, mostly yeah, like mostly it's it is yeah. so freaking loud. Uh, Tim, I think you might be muted. No, no. Okay, sorry. Okay, um, you're good. You're good. But the yeah, that jump scare was pretty nuts. But also, like, what a she's really excited to live in this room. The red, white, and blue light. I'd be like, dog, I need cardboard. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're we got to cover this rooms. up. Yeah, How can you stay sane in a room like that? No you way. She's not. <laughs> exactly. I think that's kind of part of it all. So we also get the the montage at some point. We're just going to kind of skip around here. We get the montage, which I thought was very well done, of every single guy. Like, what's your name? And she just keeps making up names. Oh and they're God, like, what yeah. a lovely name. And it's just she just starts at a certain point just going insane with the situation she currently finds herself in. Uh, we get another scene where back in the real world, Ellie asks uh, Diana, uh, Diana Riggs, uh, did someone die in that room? Someone and she's like, no, I mean, I mean, but then she has a banger. She's like, this is London. Someone's died in every single room in every single house in here, which actually is probably true. If you think about it for how how old those buildings are. I'm really excited to watch this movie again, because I do think that a lot of the strength of the writing and moments is the kind of setup and all the things that like the the lines of dialogue that she, that this woman in particular says, mm-hmm. like really adds up in an interesting way, like the way she talks about oh yeah there's a there's a smell of garlic and all that stuff it's like that's hiding something that we find out later um and moments like that i thought are really interesting and i love the way that the the dream sequences start as dreams then over time the pervasiveness i was talking about earlier it starts to get more and more in the the real world in the present but i like how in the beginning it is just through the use of mirrors the first shot of them walking down the stairs and you see the there's like a ton of different angled mirrors and you see anya taylor joy with uh the Tom, what, what's your name? Thomasy? Thomason. Uh, Thomason. Uh, like next to her, I was like, God, this is so perfectly yeah. Edgar Wright. I'm really, really into this. And then every single time we see her, it's through the use of mirrors. And pretty early on, I was like, wow, is this really the only way they're going to show this? Like, it's creative, but you've kind of overdone the one thing you had. And I really like that it was a stylistic choice because quickly, once we get into the second dream, that shifts and it's no longer just the mirrors. She's kind of in the world with Anya Taylor Joy. When they're switching dance partners is really cool. Yeah. And it just starts to get more and more and more until at some point it all breaks. And as we get later, like there is the the moments that I think Andy's referring to of a lot of the same kind of imagery of the men kind of coming back more and more and more and it becoming overwhelming. I kind of like that even though it's overused, like the mirrors were overused, it's by design. And I think that ultimately like is in in favor of the film <clears throat> nick i'm sorry i interrupted you for the podcast within the podcast for pop drop we're gonna get there joe we're not gonna forget okay. that we've got post notes everywhere that i can look at saying pop <laughs> <laughs> pop drop uh so all this happens uh ellie at this point uh 
it's starting to look a little bit more worse for the wear because now this is turned into a walking nightmare. She's wearing all black, and Jack's like, "Hey, we're going to this Halloween party. You got to come with me." She's like, "I don't have a costume." He's like, "Well, I was just gonna go like this, and you're all you're all black as well." So we're you know we're art kids. We can figure this out. Let's all go as ghosts, uh, and they do a really good job with the makeup here. I always think to myself, like, how do you get the circles so perfect without having to have someone? And you go, right? Andy's an artist. I'll go to Andy's house, bring him some Taco Bell. Andy, trade Taco Bell for your art. Oh, a couple crunchy tacos, but no exactly. cheese. No cheese. Oh, we gotta I, just pull it. Gotta pull the cheese off. I think every time I've had to do uh, makeup of any any kind, I've gone to Andy, whether it be going all green for Martian Manhunter mm-hmm. or Wolverine hair or uh, Doctor Manhattan. Remember that one? Yeah, that was, that was blue with the one. black. Yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. You nailed Nick's uh, kitty cat whiskers. <laughs> just. On, just... You gotta get the little triangle on my Supreme nose. Art. Gotta get the little triangle. You gotta on my get nose. the little triangle. Uh, they go to they go to this cool party uh, in which uh, 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 Jacosta gives them drinks. I'm like, don't take those drinks. Uh, and this is right around the time Andy decides, hey, I think we're okay. I think <laughs> it's time to go on my 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 to the restroom. And he takes gotta this pee a lot, yeah. This massive tub of popcorn. For context, the running joke mm. that I always have is that Andy constantly is spilling his popcorn he just can't go anywhere in this movie theater without spilling his popcorn it's happened once and he's got mm, this twice now he's got this massive 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 extra large popcorn that he's got which i assume about a third is. full about a third filled to be honest with you and, and goes, also first off don't even get me started nick these motherfuckers holy shit did they give me like the bottom of the goddamn fucking oh, section I heard you of eat popcorn it, Andy. it was all kernels it, it was, was all kernels. Popping just see kernels left and right. This thing is like, I think I maybe ate, I don't know, a total of less than 20 fully popped popcorn. The rest of it is just the tiny crumbs that you get at the end of the Frosted Flakes uh, fucking thing. It's like, oh, it yeah. was just awful. So terrible. like terrible, terrible on you, AMC. I blame so, you. I was so, so mentally just struggling, you know. I get it, man. Um, so, and I feel for you because my popcorn was fantastic. Uh, he puts the tub down. such him. a dick. And he puts the tub down far enough away so that he can he has the leg room to like get out. Goes. I forget about this. I didn't I I heard the thing go down, but I'm like, I'm in I'm I'm into this movie at this point. Yada yada yada. He comes back, walks to his seat, stops, then takes one little extra step <laughs> and kicks that fucking thing over. And I just see the big Dolby screen and Andy silhouetted against it and his head just goes down and he starts laughing because he knows that I heard it and he knows that I saw it and I start laughing and the guy next to us is like, what the fuck are you guys laughing at? And I almost was like, well, sir, we have this ongoing joke that Andy always pulls his file cord uh, and he usually never does it. But this is the one time that I know I'm just never going to let it down. It, it was for me, it was the sound design of this moment because it is, again, it's a mostly hollow popcorn bucket. <laughs> so perfect. Because, again, it's like I've eaten a lot of it. Keep in mind that, like, usually when you go to these movies, I'm done with the popcorn before the previews, like, end. <laughs> like, I just go to town on these fucking popcorn. But I had about a third of it left. So it's. The kick of the hollow, and then you hear, and it kind of like slide out as if somebody like knocked over a pile of rocks and they all just sort of slid out. That's the sound effect that I was getting. Um, And it was it was a funny moment. And I wanted to laugh so hard and I kept wanting to laugh and I had to stop myself. It was that was that was it was perfect. It It could not have been 
more perfect if we had a yeah. second take. Uh, anyway, we go on, and this this party's pretty fun, and they're having a good time. They kiss out, and they go get a little smooch out in the rain. And then she's like, she's like, I don't want this night to end. And he's like, well, we could go back to my place. And she's like, no, nah, come back to my place. Uh, the old lady that lives there was very, 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 very clear that she did not want male suitors coming back after eight. But fuck it, we'll so see So clear. So clear um, about it. <clears throat> well, clear. and she, I got the impression that she didn't want to go to sleep because she didn't want to deal with all these dreams, nightmares, visions, yeah. right? That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I also thought it was weird that she didn't take the invitation to go to his place. I guess she was t- a little too drunk to hear it, I think. Because that, um, I feel like, would have been the strongest solution, right? Like, don't oh, go yeah, back to the I mean, that was the right solution. Don't go back yeah. to the room that's giving you the hallucinatory nightmares. Uh, but for sure, she's like, or let's combine everything we love, right? Being terrified at night with this burgeoning new love. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um course she goes back and this is when she has the uh they're starting to smooch 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 and she has the the terrible vision of uh matt smith killing sandy just stabbing her to death in that bed that she's sleeping in and then poor jack is like what the fuck is going on and she's like get away from me and he's like uh i don't know what's happening here and he gets pushed into a mirror and he's like god no he doesn't have his hair shoes on and it's like oh my god oh man the mirror breaks and he cuts his the the oh, uh, little diehard yeah, yeah. Miss yeah. Collins in this moment though, uh, like she doesn't know what's going on. All she hears is um, the main girl screaming from oh, her room right. with the door locked. She assumes that there's there's something happening. Yeah, happen, so like right. shout out to her because she was doing like the right thing and like stepping in and getting in there and trying. Oh, to she help. did. And yeah. it's interesting. Again, you want to talk about shout out to 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 uh, Mrs. Collins here, the actress that plays her, is. She has, like, looking back on it now, the way she reacts to it, you're like, it can actually now be interpreted as one of two ways. It's like, yes, she is she is defending and trying to, like, take care of Ellie, but she's also like, what did he do? Like, I'm going to fucking kill him, right? Like, you're like yeah. oh, no, you yeah, look back yeah, at yeah. it now, you're like, oh, shit, he was in danger there well, at a certain she, point. Yeah. We didn't she know what was th- going on. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean it interesting, was... too, with uh, names is, like, so there's Ellie and Eloise, right? And then there's Sandy and uh, her full name, Alexandra. Alexandra. Um, and so the two male characters, the Matt Smith character is Jack and the boyfriend character is John. And I wonder like there, there must be some level of like, Oh Jack yeah. And I mean, like, with and you're right. Stuff. Always does that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially in this scene where it's like, they're both, both sets of characters are look to be on the, the same bed and in, in different time periods and stuff. So yeah. I, I do think it's though that. that this sequence was, you know, I mean, this movie is fiction obviously, but it's very unbelievable to so. me that, the old lady was kind of okay with that excuse. Um, I don't know. It just it just felt it just felt weird to me that like Ellie is screaming for her life. Yeah, and like at this point, I'd be like, we're like, first thing is, are you okay? Second thing is, we're calling the cops. Right. Yeah. Like I, I love like calling that, the that cops. man was assaulting you clearly, or like it was right. trying to like rape you or something. This right. sounds awful from my end on the other side of the door, mm-hmm. and for the door to open and the kid to just leave, like it just it just I don't know. I felt like her reaction to it felt. I mean, she a little ask her. She's like, "Did he hurt you?" Oh, and yeah, of course. Like, no, he didn't. And so I, she was probably like, so "Why are you yelling?" You walk in and you see blood. You see a broken drugs. mirror. You see like a lot of shit. Go. I'm like, "Honey, I don't know. Maybe as a person that." 
I'm taking on a little bit of like the responsibility here for you. I'm, I'm, we're gonna just, we're gonna maybe talk to the police. Well, she also has dead bodies in her house, so she's not Good gonna point. call the cops. Good point. Like, yeah, I think, and I think that the whole thing was, that was like, part of the motivation. Be, yeah, she needs to be. I'm in control of the situation. Like this Make girl, sure. something's wrong with her, but like I need to be on top of that and not get the cops involved. You're making why, that when the cops do get involved, then that's when she's like, well. I I think I don't know about that. That feels like like just some a way to excuse what we find out later in the movie for this moment. Um, like it's not like the if she calls the cops, they're gonna go, huh? There's dead bodies in these walls. Like they're At just gonna point, go they, over yeah, and yeah, talk to don't... the the kid. You know, like I I, I don't feel the, super point, great about she, that. It's to the point though. Maybe you know you don't want to invite that fucking. Yeah, I, think, that, I don't that, think that, that they're going to flip from a possibility. Someone's like, smells a little like a dead body in here. And mm. it's like, well, I'm old. Old people always smell like dead bodies. Yeah. I digress. Uh, I also think that this woman has been a landlord for 40 years and, like, talks about how people just, like, leave in the middle of the night and stuff like that. I think she's used to, like, crazy shit happening. And this probably I, isn't, I like, think totally so. out of the norm. Um, so I think that's also part of her reaction. She reacted pretty, like, what? Like, there's a a band of people being murdered in here. Like, I feel like she just went, hey, knock, knock, hey, keep, knock it down. Like, keep it low. Keep you know, low. Keep it, knock keep it off it is what I meant to keep say. Not knock it down. Keep, knock it down. Keep it low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ellie's like, listen, I gotta, I gotta take matters in my own hands. She goes to the cops at this point and they were like, and, and it's uh, the male cops like, you're, I don't believe you at all. And then she overhears uh, that cop talking shit about her in the, in the, in the loo. She is uh, saying the, some ridiculous ass shit, you know. She like, is, and this is one of the the points in the movie that I'm like, I I almost wish that they hadn't sort of made it so blatantly apparent that this kid has like superpowers or like supernatural powers because one of the things that we walked out, this is where it starts to get a little bit boring for me because mm. at no point in this suspense thriller style movie have I felt like our protagonist is in any real danger. Now, Gia brought up the point. She was like, well, she is in danger of kind of ruining her life. And that is true. And that kind of comes through where you're like, you're kind of worried for this person's like mental state. But for a movie where that, that, that should feel tense, the, there's no real tension here. Because at this point, she could just, I don't know. I mean, she's being haunted by these ghoulish figures. And Edgar Wright keeps throwing them at you more and more, I think, to sort of help keep the tension going but i just think to myself like i'm, I'm not really worried because at no point are these gonna actually kill her they're not gonna you know what i mean it's not like i in mean screen i feel where like something's no, hunting I, her in real life but we've I already that, seen the main character die nick the other character i think died. what you're forgetting is the hickey very like in her first dream she gets a hickey from matt smith or jack mm -hmm. and then the hickey's there in real life so to me that was setting up that like these dreams could hurt her but they never that never comes back well, yeah, because well, at the end, the ghost she never gets anything else. Like nothing. But at the really end, happens, the right? one of the ghosts like hands her the phone, so there is like some sort of mm -hmm. interconnected. But but you know what I mean? It's like if you if you're gonna make a movie that builds toward the, the, that you want to build that tension, you have to have your protagonist be at, in real peril toward the end of it. And uh, yeah, I guess get, I just and thought she was there, in peril. We get there at a certain point where when she thinks that Terrence Stamp's character might be stalking her, but I needed to see more of that, if that makes sense. Like, I needed to see him being, like, like around every fucking corner, um, but he kind of wasn't. He just kind of comes and goes to that bar, and you're like, well, that could be explained, and this is his local bar. That's just, like, he's not stalking her. He's just kind of a creepy I mean, that's guy. That's exactly that what the, the explanation bar. was, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, so he did look her up, though, using his cop powers, I think. 
Well, yeah, that's that. I mean, and that's that goes to, and speaks toward the creepiness of it. There's a lot of red herring stuff like that. I just felt like I, I just I was kind of bored at this point. I'm like, I don't really yeah. care what's going on anymore. With this. I, I think the stakes are more like the reality of gender roles and stuff, both in the past and in the the present, which I guess is the future from the past, where the way that they deal with it of kind of setting up all of the. <laughs> Which is complicated to say, but in the movie it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Um, where you know all these different men that are uh, attached to to Sandy in different ways, and then having Eloise have to deal with that as well, and how it her romanticizing the '60s. It's like it, it was not all you know rose tinted stuff. It was like there's a lot of really, really, really bad stuff happening, mm -hmm. and that bad stuff is still happening now. And I think that that's mm -hmm. uh, what they really try to do, backing up all the party scenes and seeing like this poor girl getting bullied, this country bumpkin, like small town girl, like right. really kind of be being put in these bad situations. And I think that that is kind of the thing where it's like she should have been focusing on dealing with all that, but she was so busy romanticizing this perfect utopia that didn't exist. And that to me, I think, is where the, the stakes kind of come into play. Well, that's not really stakes, though, right? That's just sort of like the that's like theme. That's that's what you're talking more about. Like, what what is the message of the movie? And the message of the movie is like, yeah, you were you did over romanticize this, but yeah, you're right. Like, the reality is 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 bad and it's shocking sometimes. But that's what I'm saying. Like all the things you just said, the, those those parallels, I really liked. I just didn't like the fact that now we're running through hallways being hunted, like like haunted by faceless people over and over and over again to the point where I'm like. This is kind of wearing thin now. Yeah, to it, me, it kind of everywhere she looks is just these faceless guys, and I'm like, but they're not hurting her, so it's just her being scared. And after a certain point, as an audience member that's being scared with her, I'm not scared anymore when I see these guys. So it's not having that effect on me of being like, oh my god, fucking Billy Loomis is the killer, and she just locked herself in the house with this guy, and he's like, we all go a little crazy sometimes. I never got that feeling for Ellie. And I should have gotten that feeling at some point. Maybe you I, I guys guess, did. It sounds like you guys did. I guess near the end of it, it kind of uh, devolved into the zombies in in Shaun of the Dead, the blue mouth people in The World's End, or More the, the blue scary village people in Hot Fuzz. Like these were these just became like the faceless guys that she but, ran from. And I feel like early on in those sequences, I did feel fear, not only for her, but I was just scared because it's like it's you know, not pleasant to look at these dudes, <laughs> but then they brought it back a bit too much. And I kind of just felt, um, I don't know. I felt like eventually near the end of it, when she runs out into the street and then sees him, they're all kind of grabbing her. I should feel tension in that moment. And I just didn't really, I, I got kind of, I feel like it, it became a tired bit at that point. Yeah. For me, I think it's more what they represent and less what they actually are of them supposed to be scary. I think it's not that they're all going to kill her. It's just that she is, as this young woman, constantly going to be surrounded by danger and by this fear. It's more about the fear than the actual attack or anything. And there's just the potential of attack at all times and just being consumed by that everywhere. And that's why I think it's a little different than the blue guys in, um, or even the zombies, like whatever it is. I think that it's, a little bit more symbolic and it's a it's symbolic based on what for Sandy was a lot more real in terms of actual potential to physical threat. And and I, I don't mind that at all. I think it just overstated its welcome a bit. I think yeah. like a little bit less of I her running through places. And I think, I think a, if you want to go back to like a better way to do it is the sixth sense, right? Where you, you feel this kid's in like, you, you actually, I think they build that tension there better because you're like, I'm not quite sure what's going on. I don't know what these motivations are for these ghosts. And we got it. And I think that tension builds to a nice, you know, to a head. In this one, I'm with, I'm kind of with Andy where I'm like, man, there's a lot of these faceless guys and they're everywhere and they're just everywhere. And at a certain point, I'm like, I don't know what the solution is to this because once we, especially once we discover that Jack, um, we'll skip ahead here. 
she says she goes fuck i gotta i gotta figure this out i gotta take this into my own account i think this guy's the killer i'm not quite sure why or how she got into that but terrence Stamp, definitely that, the killer. that that's the thing where it's like it's there is never an end to the amount of creepy dudes out there so yeah, it but does just keep but, kind of coming it is like okay that, we, we get it you're hitting movie, us but it's like that's the this, reality of what they're trying yeah, to but show this is you. a movie and there has to be a climax right and without tension you can't really build to a, to a satisfying climax so to me i'm like i don't care what's happening anymore. once the red herring of of terrence stamp goes away once he gets hit by the thing i'm like actually once that happened, I was like, all right, I'm, ba- I'm actually intrigued by this because now there is a mystery. Um, but I also I mean, knew that, that guy I, was the cop because I was like, they literally look exactly the same, same haircut and all that stuff. So maybe I just figured that one out. Uh, yeah, she, I mean, uh, she goes I to think, the library and she goes and she looks at all these things. Uh, sorry, Kevin, what were you saying? I just think that you did a really good job figuring that out. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch um, it either. I also, I, to me, I was like, oh, there's no way it's this guy because it's just been so obviously set up. You know, um, right, right, yeah. And I did have a moment about a third in where I was like, "I bet you Sandy's still alive." I don't know how. Well, and, that was the other. That was another yeah. big problem I had, which we see her die. <laughs> so it's but, like, I mean, that's the thing is that was the. So we realized at the end that the ghost that we're seeing it isn't Sandy's ghost; it's Matt's ghost or Jack's ghost, right? That's that's causing her to have this. I don't know. The the I, world they the world they build and sort of some of the rules they 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 get real flexible with a lot of the rules right so I'm not quite sure what we're supposed to be believing in this, mm-hmm. um, but because I, I correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure we see the knife go into her and her lying dead on the bed yes but I think and that, that I was think more she has of like what neck stuff like yes she had like several she cuts her in her neck. Right, and so and then we see her in that same dress that she was designing. We get a moment where like uh, Ellie yep. like rips apart her own dress and whatever. And she's like, oh, it's Christ conscious. So it's kind of weird and a little bit misleading from the filmmakers to do that for us because whatever. Well, but I, I think it's I think it's supposed I, to be done that way, but yeah. I but it doesn't make sense in the reality of the what, world, right? Because then it's I like thought, then you start questioning every single thing that you've seen, and you're like, I don't know, well, what, what, I, where the fuck are forget we? Get everything this? you know, you know. Yeah. I I I thought Anyone that's what what Jack like felt like he should have done that night, right? Because we assume that he brought the knife, right? Yeah, I mean, he's holding and, it to her. Yeah, right? and then that's she grabs it with her bare hand, and that's why it cuts her hand. And she takes it and stabs him. Like, so I, I thought these are like Matt's like energy or whatever, and all the men in the walls like spirits haunting this girl because they were murdered. So well, I, yeah, I that, thought that was yeah, Jack trying definitely. to be like, this is what I should have done. Either way, yeah. uh, so she goes to the library, like the scene here, where 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 um, uh, jo- the John character, John or Jack, the the, the kid character with the beanie, is John, like, hey, John. John is like, I want to help you out. What's going on? She's like, listen, I got to look. I'm trying to find this missing person, Sandy. I need your help. You got to go through all these things with me. Great. And then she on- ends up almost stabbing uh, Jakarta, Jakarta, in the fucking face with a pair of uh, fabric Scissors. shears, yeah. which Terrifying. are real big, real yeah. big. <sighs> Uh, at this point, and this is the point of the movie where if I were John, I would say, um, we need to find this person professional help. I don't have the tools as a 19-year-old art student to deal with someone who might be potentially suffering psychosis to the point where she's homicidal. Um, I'm sure that an 18-year-old not- Nick would, would make that decision. 18-year-old Nick would smoke a cigarette and fucking walk and just leave. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want you any forget how much. It, I feel like 18-year-old Nick wanted to find love, you know? 
18 year yeah 18 year old nick drew the line though where someone where people are legitimately going to have to go to jail for fucking homicide he'd have been like ah also just like a lot of people saw that in the library too he's going to jail uh uh so she uh she goes back and she's like i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go to work I'm going to accuse this guy uh, without asking anyone who this guy really is. She's like, I know this guy's the killer. And then it turns out, hey, he's like, I'm not the fucking killer. Uh, you fuck off. And everyone's talking in vague terms. And I'm like, why don't you guys just. OK. Uh, and then he runs out and gets hit by a cat. Well, she's and I'm like, she's cool. trying to record him. Right. And it's at this moment that like the movie becomes something I wasn't really wanting it to become because I really I wanted this movie, I guess, to be a lot more. I wanted her to like get trapped in that world. I, I thought it was going to be just a lot more heady and not turn into um, I'm trying to get this guy to admit to his murders yeah. of of Sandy and, and all these other women on a recorded phone like that. That felt like a it just felt like it was part of a different movie. I don't know. I felt like that was kind of odd. And it's all set up. Obviously, the cop is like, well, we need hard proof of this. But um, it just it went more of the scream route. And I was hoping it went like you know just and when i say scream i just mean like a slasher type movie route and yeah. i was hoping it stayed more in the sort of cerebral see, um yeah psychological horror type thing see i'm actually the opposite i i i was assuming and maybe just because it was misleading the trailer because they want to kind of throw you off the track i assumed at some point around the midpoint of this movie that this person would start trying to kill her in real life mm. because he, because she's on to his secret that he committed a murder in the 60s and that's what the trailer made it look like definitely and obviously they did on purpose because they wanted a fun yeah. twist at the end i do think the twist at the end was fun um like i said right right around the time he dies is when i started going okay what is the mystery here what's going on because yeah I'm, I'm curious at least to what's going on and then of course when it's revealed uh she's like i gotta go home i gotta get the fuck out of here listen this is just not a good place for me to be at i don't know what i'm doing uh john please drive me home and i love the joke <laughs> this of, is so good She's like, wait, you have a car? And he's like, yeah, how else am I supposed to get from South London to North London? Which is hilarious. A great joke from earlier funny. as well. Him and where funny. he lives. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm from South London. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she goes, does, I think, a, one, of the, one of the best things in the whole movie. He's like, do you, want me, do you want me to come in? She's like, no, nah, I'll be okay. Actually, if I'm not back in 15 minutes, come get me. And I'm like, eh, that's always smart. That's why I always tell Tim. I'm like, Tim, I'm going to Starbucks. If I'm back in five minutes, just wait longer. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <Wait> longer. longer. <laughs> Good Ace Ventura joke. Old Great Ace Ventura, Ventura joke. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so she goes in. She's like, "Listen, uh, Mrs. Collins." She's like, "Oh, I'll put on a spot of tea for you, kid." And then she's like, "Listen, Mrs. Collins." She's like, is it just you? Out. And she's like, "Yes, yeah. just me." Smart. She's like, smart. Yeah, mm. just me. That, at that point, I'd be like this. Okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here. This guy, this this cat, this old cat's up to something crazy, right? Uh, she makes her some tea. They sit down, and she's she, like, "Listen, I gotta get out of here." She sat down. She was like, "I'm gonna willingly drink this tea because." I've built up the probiotics in my body to protect myself from anything because I'm totally fine. If I drink anything poison, I'm going to be totally good. I'll get woozy for a bit, but I'll be totally yeah, good. No, you'll be fine. This woman put a, enough horse tranquilizer in this fucking tea to like <laughs> to make this 80-pound 17-year-old fall asleep very quickly. But she's like, don't worry about it. Just, just hang out. And then Ellie just fucking muscles out of it, man. She just punches hard. She she's like, spilled like the entire cup of club tea. It's not like she drank the whole thing. I mean, Joe, as the resident poison expert, don't you think that she put enough in there for one sip to just kind of like knock I her know, out? I mean, the, the idea that the, <laughs> the idea that Sandy is like, 
All right, sit back. Get ready for your endless sleep. Like, that tells me enough that she had what she needed to take. Like, yeah. Sandy, anything, Sandy would have been like, I'm going to fucking make you drink this damn thing. But that, that seemed like enough. I think, but I think it's like an onset out. thing. Right? But I think, but no, but she was like, she alluded to the fact that she had had enough that it was going to kill her and everyone was going to think it was suicide because that's what everyone thinks she was going to do anyway. They joked mm, it like they made that horrible joke in the in the first act about it where she's she like, she's probably going to kill herself. Oh, whatever, yeah. Like, in the like, just like her mom like her or whatever mom, it was. Yeah, fucked up. And so she was like, I'll put two and two together. And then you just assumed that she had had enough. And I mean, again, it's not like Mrs. Collins, like, this is her first rodeo, right? She has stabbed numerous men in the face. But <laughs> never poisoned point. any of them as far as we know. She's we not an know. alchemist, we don't yeah. Know. We don't know. Mm, uh, of course, it is, of, it is, of course, revealed that she's like, someone, you know, you went to the cops, didn't you? She's like, I, I won't tell anyone. It's like, yeah, well, it's already too late because someone actually did die up there. I died up there. My, my youth, my innocence died up there. Uh, I love the touch I, of it being the female cop that goes to check on mm-hmm. ellie like I, I think that that really ties into the whole theme of the story and stuff and it was like uh, having the male cop kind of like make fun a of her dick. and like be such a dick and like having this woman checking in on her was good and then I it was almost really like completely undone later tim i i didn't tell you the fear that i felt later on in in these following sequences when the dead guys are like help us and I was like, Edgar Wright, no, Uh-oh. don't do this, Edgar Wright. Don't do this. I think we all had this. We all were, because it was like, was these people so are bad. <laughs> fucking terrified at that moment. I was like, Edgar Wright, I do not want to have to, like, cancel your ass, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're I mean, like, disaster here, dude. to his credit, to his credit, her next line is, no. And she says it in, like, a gross <laughs> oh, out, yeah, like, yeah. fuck you guys. And he, um, Fuck, I was going to say something, but now I've forgotten it. Never mind. Well, you know, uh, John walks in and he's like, where's Ellie at? And then she's like, oh, you, you, you little, you little bastard, you little rascal. You told me you were alone. And I loved, I love her reaction there. Her acting there is fantastic. Very good. Uh, this, at this point, Ellie's like, oh, my God, I'm fucking debilitated on this couch. I couldn't possibly get up. And then John gets one in the gut. And then Ellie springs to life like she's a fucking – she just had the best speech from her coach during halftime. She's like, I'm ready to get out there and make up this deficit. They start tumbling. Do you guys <laughs> not think that the adrenaline would, like, get her to push through a little bit of this? I, I mean – No, I would have loved if she, no. like, made herself throw up or something. That Like, I just need something there because the whole time I'm thinking, like, wow, she's just – she's going to be good. Okay. It's muddled at best, but either way, we go upstairs. It's uh, a stupid nitpick, but it's still something enough. I I liked. I thought it. I I thought it was fine. A cigarette gets popped into one of the old records. I like that imagery where she's like, "We're burning down that nostalgia now." When these old records, Uh, the whole house starts lighting on fire. It turns into a house of horrors as Ellie runs up to her room for some reason, uh, which uh, she locks herself in there. The woman was in front of her. On the she like on the stairs is an old yeah, woman she, that Ellie just the, dropped like a bag of fucking potatoes and she's like I'll just jump over you real quick and the woman's like eh, I get it she runs out to the room it's got to end up there because there's a phone there only for emergencies that we have uh, I think this power. scene of her of them going up the stairs is maybe the scene that Tim was referencing earlier of that like could have been so cool yeah. it could have been, been so cool, cool. and yeah. it really it, it was like oh no this just, it wasn't horrible but it was no. just like duh it's just Fine. Yeah, again, there, yeah. again with this movie, there's like at no point that I ever feel like this is egregiously bad. I just kind of oh, like no, uh, I'm kind of disappointed either. with this. Yeah. yeah, I just don't think it came together as much as I had wanted it to. But uh, she goes up there and she gets immediately uh, kind of accosted by all these spirits. Who, to Andy's point earlier, was like, "Save us!" And I was like, "That's 
a very weird message to be throwing into this film in the fourth quarter, uh, this late in the fourth quarter. A lot of sports <laughs> analogies here. Hopefully, mm-hmm. Andy's happy now. Are you happy? <laughs> very now? happy. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the, I mean, the message was like, "Fuck you guys." Like, what is the message though of this? Right? Because uh, it's like, I mean, the it? message is that. Guys. Yeah, obviously, but like, ah, man, I mean, there's the moment where she's trying to save her, and it turns into like the younger uh, Alex, and like she holds her. And she's like, we can get, like, she says something along the lines of, like, we can get through this. And it, she's like, it's too late. And it just, like, that person needed help earlier, couldn't get it, and was lost to right, it, right? Right, That's a perfect example. So how is that, like, mirrored in Ellie's struggle, which is what we needed for the theme really to hit home, right? I needed to see those things in Ellie's life. But if it weren't for the fact that she was being haunted by the fucking ghost of San- Sandy, Ellie would probably be okay. I mean, she's a pretty talented artist and she's got, and her, t- her teacher likes what she's working on, right? At no point is she struggling with really anything other than kind of being bullied at art school, which she already solved by moving out of the dorm. Mm. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, sh- I don't her think struggle. That there needs to be symmetry in that, like, well, it does I need to be symmetry, that- right? Because I, we, it needs to hit for us at the end where she's like, I'm, I'm too far gone, but like, I don't know. The main character just didn't have it. It just didn't. Yeah, there's just. I mean, I, I feel like the the school and and her doing fashion is not a red herring, but almost like you know, it's it's barely motivating the story to go forward. Like it is the reason why she had to move out of her house. the The story is she's got crazy powers. Right, but like, right? I, guess, I guess I guess what it comes ghosts. down to is like when you when you start thinking about movies like this, right, where there's like a lot of dualities. What is it that's that Ellie's missing in her life that she's supposed to be uh, that, that she's supposed to have by the end of this movie? I think it's confidence and, it, I, and a yeah. sense of security, and I think that the how, it's not okay, just confidence. Okay. And, how does the end, the climax, give her that? Because I think that it's a lot of like looking looking back to go forward type stuff of like you know it's not just the good that you're looking for from what happened before, but it is the bad too, and it takes both to kind of get you to be able to make a better future that hopefully is just the good and not the bad. And I think that the final shots of her had like seeing Sandy in the mirror and all that stuff. It's like it's them allowing it to be like it's not always just going to be good or just bad. It is both at all times. And through Sandy's struggles, it's allowing her to kind of navigate the world in a way that kind of can she can be a little bit more in control of the fears around her of the the creepy men that she's going to to be around where sandy didn't have as many options and now that the um thomason's character was able to kind of see all that stuff i think she's better equipped to surround herself with better men as we've seen in the case of john people that will stand by her even when she is breaking down to like very 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 scary things like i think that that's kind of all of it andy cortez what I really needed to cap the movie off is for her to look at Sandy in the mirror and they kind of wink at each other. And John's like, oh, is that the lady that stabbed me? She, cut, she tried to kill me. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Remember that? Like, she tried to kill me in yeah. that house yeah. when it was burning down. And, like, that's one turnaround I didn't quite love. It's, I, I didn't, it's very I didn't quite love her being like, go save the boy. It's like, wow, you really 180'd really incredibly really fast. fast Well, I mean, she, yeah. she, held, she didn't have any, like, grudge against the guy she was just killing him because he was involved and like he was gonna get her caught essentially right well i mean well like it's not like she disliked him you know it's like 
all right, I'm fucked. I'm dying. Go save the guy downstairs. So that, like, but, yeah, but but that wasn't her motivation. Her motivation was just like, I can't go to prison, man. I can't fucking do it. <laughs> she even says, like, I can't be in a fucking cage. And I'm like, this just turned into point break? Are we <laughs> best friends? <laughs> anyway, no, like, Tim, I think, Tim, I see your point, And I think that that was what they were going for. For me, I just don't think, I don't think that her struggle, I don't think I saw enough of her struggle with like who she was personally to go to go into that because a lot of a lot of the the ten, uh the sort of uh, stuff that's thrown on her has to do with the sixth sense power that she has right and i get it like 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 her life is full of all these creepy guys and i do think that she comes out of the story stronger for that so i do see that point now um but i just don't think that there's like I don't know, I almost wish she was in more of, I wish she was in an abusive relationship. Well, I don't miss, wish that for her, but I think it would have been stronger <laughs> no, if I she was saying. dealing with an abusive relationship. And because of her, like, seeing all this shit unfold with Sandy, she had the, that gave her the confidence and what she needed to be like, I'm breaking this off with you and I'm moving forward and I, I, I'm i just going to be by myself. I think but she seems like a pretty well-adjusted character from the beginning to the end of this movie, which is, I guess, my point. And I, I think I less like I was going to say, I think less Jocasta and the group of the mean girls and more of like toxic dudes around her because like or a there's, toxic there's like one I, or two guys I, yeah. that are creeping on her. I think uh, I think we need to see more of that to kind of make the ending feel really worth it. Like she kind of like mm -hmm. I, I am I'm hyper aware of this now and I, I've, I've sort of conquered all my fears or whatever. Go ahead, Joe. I took something totally different. I think that. Ellie has romanticized this period of life in her or this period of time in her life because of the relationship that her grandma and her mom had um, of just like all the, the picture that they have all the time and like all the stories that she's been hearing from her grandma of like them visiting and stuff like that. And the fact that her mom died when she was seven, I think a lot of her romanticizing of this period of time there. is romanticizing the being able to have those relationships that she missed out on. And so by having all of this stuff happen, I think it was a reality check for her that like that period of time was not perfect, but I can still take the pieces of it that I like and apply it to modern times and like move forward with my mm -hmm. life because she's so bullied by the like, and I think she's so stuck in that mindset in that time period that like, she doesn't have any way of relating to any of these people in art school. Like yeah. they all think she's weird. They have nothing really to talk to her about. And um, I think that the, this whole thing just opened her eyes of like, I am romanticizing these relationships that like, I really had no idea what it was like to live in this other than the rose colored glasses. And I can but move also, forward and build a life for myself while still embracing some of the, the touches of that, that I like without becoming like obsessed with it. Also, here's the theme. Don't be a fucking it. asshole to people that wear clothes that they design and maybe yeah, like dude. listen to weird music that you're not used to. <laughs> like, well, it was, yeah. it's, it's, that's, that's interesting though. Cause and Joey, I buy that too. And I think Tim, Joey, those are both really good points um, that I didn't get out of it, but I see where you guys are coming from. And I understand that. Um, I, I liked those touches though with Jocasta. Like, did you catch the fact that she was like, oh, yeah, I had an uncle that killed himself, too. And you're like, just making shit up to fit in with the group. I thought that was an interesting. She's 100 like, percent like, like uh, intimidated by. Oh, her. yeah. I mean, just super insecure. Right. It's that insecurity yeah. you have where she's like, they're both compensating for their insecurities in different ways. I thought that was I, I liked that. I, I thought that was. a. a, a I think she's a great like foil to her character. Yeah. It's uh, John, one thing I want to say about this end bit, though, is like, because it sounds like I'm like super defending it. I'm not. I think it works and I think it makes sense. And I like the themes. And I, I think that they did a good enough job of making them come together. I do wish it was tighter. I, I'm with Nick and Andy in the sense that I do think that these moments could have 
like there's so many breadcrumbs the entire movie that could there you go congratulations uh that could have added up to to something really truly special and instead it's just like oh it ends with something that's really good and it adds up and it makes sense but it doesn't add up to being something that is like phenomenal yeah i think the muddling and bringing in the i like the twist of it all i think Mm -hmm. the muddling and bringing in the ghost being like help us is a very weird call for this movie I think he got I really. I wish they would have done something else with that. Me too, because I think, I think Agarette had a really fun idea where he was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna throw the audience for a loop, and the killer is gonna be like, is gonna be like Sandra is gonna be the killer." It's a fun concept, but I think where the movie starts and where the movie ends, I don't, I don't think it quite got there. Yeah, especially Nick, when we, when I think about how the audience reacted in that moment, because I kind of felt the same when Sandra, when Sandy is explaining to uh, Ellie fuck yeah, I killed them all. They were all monsters. And the, right. and the audience, you kind of hear like in the theater go, woo, like fuck yeah, yeah. like absolutely. Yeah. Kill right. those motherfuckers, those creeps, you know, those awful people. And then the villain turn begins. You're like, oh man, I was, I, I, I didn't want you to kill Ellie. <laughs> like, yeah. like, who, like I, yeah, it, you start to feel conflicted in those moments and whether that's by design or not, I I don't know. It, it felt like sort of an unintended consequence. Um, well, there was kind of feel like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I'm right there with you, Andy. I was like, I, I'm like, this, this, this doesn't feel as earned as I want it to be. But then I got, I got so for a second caught up in the semantics of like, you have a hundred dead bodies buried in your house, <laughs> and no one has complained about that at all. The garlic. Well, they set it up garlic. at the restaurant. I, the garlic. I know, guys. The, the one dead body. In a house in the summer and the heat of fucking London would be like unbearable. She's like but you a forty-year-old body. A hundred forty-year-old. Well, I'm just talking about like back in the fucking set in the sixties, oh, okay. sort of like this. What smells like a morgue in in this fucking neighborhood? Somebody somewhere would be like, yeah, like eating a rotting restaurant because it smells like rotting. A horses. rotting body is like known uh, to be one of the worst smells ever of all time. But every Edgar Wright movie has those moments where you go that is just absolutely unbelievable but who cares the rest of the movie is so right good. but a lot of those a lot of Edgar Wright movie, movies aren't as grounded as this one was sort of uh, leading us to believe I digress we've gone a little longer in this uh I see everyone's points very good points very good I think we had a really arousing discussion here about uh, the merits of hiding people in floorboards Kevin <laughs> take note take note I love that Kevin got actually offended when I told I said that Joy was the resident poison expert no fucking funny. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Uh, we move on, and she's like, uh, she's got her first show, and uh, it's going swimmingly. And threatening to poison your guys' Kool Aid, you know? Like I've I'm threatened that so Kevin. much. Joey this. hasn't. Joey hasn't threatened to poison anything of yours. Yeah, but that's, that's true, such but a, I know that's a lot about a, chloroform. You know? Exactly. That is what a person who knows a lot about chloroform would do. She's not going to let on that she's going to chloroform Kevin, like Tim in his sleep. We're just going to do it one day. It's going to be fun. <laughs> uh the show goes, and then we, and then she looks in the mirror, and she sees uh, Sandy, and Sandy like winks at her, and you're like, right, "Is Sandy gonna kill her? I don't know. Is or she's cool? Are we cool? I'd be like, "Are we cool? Like, are we cool? Cool? Because I think we had we're cool, right? I don't wish and, it was Hayden Christensen instead. You know? <laughs> that would be amazing. It's just Hayden Christensen it, and fucking Obi Wan, and he's like, "What's up?" I just really didn't need this sequence. Like this sequence, I think in Edgar Wright's mind plays out as really cool, and I think it's really bad. Like, I think when you put this, when you put pen to paper and you're writing this down and you're Edgar Wright, who's known to put out banger after banger after banger, this moment, you think that a lot of people in the audience are going to go, wow, that's fucking badass. But yeah. I just didn't get that feeling at all from it. I was, was like, I was more impressed by the, 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 uh, 
the transition to the title card that like then popped oh up. yeah and she like taps the the mirror and then mm. it turned into the font and i was like that's cool <laughs> way to go Andrew, I, right yeah I, I, this moment was weird and it kind of leaves you being like what is that like, I guess, <laughs> I guess they're that? cool. Like, I, I guess they're cool now, right? Kevin, I wanted Sandy to be like, now go kill all the other men. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been And it turns turn. into promising young woman. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm semi with you in the sense that I didn't think it was cool. And I wish it was uh, way better than it was. And it reminds me a lot of the end of Baby Driver that like has a great premise that I'm sure on the script looks fantastic. But like the way it ends, it's like, that's a little misleading and a little bit weird. But I do think it adds up of the idea, kind of a combination of what Joey was saying, what I was saying of it's her moving on from her mom and like now being able to now use a different past to shape her future with what she learned from sandy and like i think that it's like this sandy that she's seeing is a new more positive sandy it very much is like the hayden christensen anakin skywalker at the end of return of the jedi again i'm not saying any of this is good or clever or anything i'm just saying it, it does add up and i didn't think it was bad i wish it was a little bit more exciting of a moment i always get reminded tim of the tiktoks where it's like the the young white girl that's like showing clips of the 60s and like wouldn't it be an amazing to grow up then and then it shows a black eye being like no it would not have <laughs> like yeah. why are you romanticizing this era there's a lot of wrong with that that's kind of like immediately as this movie starts that's immediately what i think of yeah uh that's uh i, I do want to note though as this movie ended uh, because we have all been so trained to assume there's a mid-credit sequence or an end-credit sequence, all of us <laughs> sort of stared at each other. And then because me, because me and Andy weren't near Tim, I just stared at Andy. And he stared at me. I was like, "We have no recourse. We just we have to stand here." <laughs> I mean, can Tim you check out that? Leave. Well, it was a truly I mean, weird there. moment it's with this post-credit left, thing. Nick. Uh, because like they, 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 there was footage, like it kept showing different scenes of London in between, yeah. uh, Empty. like a couple of things of credit. So it's like, Empty okay, they, I don't expect anything, but there might be something. But Kevin and I were saying it was funny for two reasons. One, uh, since the movie's not out yet, Googling, like, is there a post-credit scene just didn't help us at all. And then the other thing is that, uh, the green Knight had a post-credit scene and that changed my entire view on what movies will and won't have post-credit scenes. I saw that movie in theaters twice and it wasn't until, uh, we did the review that I think it was Matt Rohrbeck was like, yo, like there's a post-credit scene and it blew my mind. There's the pop drop. Look at that. And so, I just said, listen, I, what, go Andy, ahead. Andy. Don't I was going to say, so when Nick says, Andy's got the biggest fucking full thing of popcorn and he knocks it all over, that's what it looked like. You can count though the amount of kernels there. And by the way, like, look, just to get an indication of what kind of popcorn I was fucking with, look at how good. many full kernels you can count and look at how the rest of them are just pathetic, tiny little Andy. pieces, like half pops. Fucking ridiculous, dude. AMC, come on. It's Tim, it's one of those things uh, where I used to think Andy was clumsy, but now I just think he just doesn't have respect for movie <laughs> popcorn. You tweeted that out last night. I was like, God, nice. I want to uppercut you. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder if Andy will send me that picture he took of the popcorn because that would go so much better with this tweet. <laughs> uh, so we do not have any haikus to review because the movie's not out yet. But we do have a little thing I like to call Ragu Bagu, or in this case, Ragu Protag. Do 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 ragu do 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 protag. What's going on, everyone? Welcome, to rad guys. Talk about the best protagonists in the Edgar Wright verse right now. The list as it stands is number one: Nicholas, Angel, and Danny from Hot Fuzz. That's a good call. Number two: Sean and Ed from Shaun of the Dead. Solid list so far. Number three: Scott Pilgrim. Hi. 
I'm Michael Sarah. Number four, Baby <laughs> from Baby Driver. Number five, Simon, Simon Pegg from The World's End. This is a solid list. We were great. We were this. great. We were Where great. do we want to put Eloise on this <clears throat> list? Remember, she is kind of responsible for the death of Terrence Stamp in this and probably also going to go we to jail for attempted murder. We didn't know he died. Well, his face when he was laying on the ground? <laughs> yeah, I mean... We don't know that he died. We don't know that he lived. You know, he Joey, fifty fifty. Sure, yeah, people, people get are very fragile. Very but um, really, I mean, that was his. He, come on, he, we know he was a piece Who, of shit. So three it doesn't matter. Nick, Scott number Pilgrim. three is Scott Pilgrim. I would Definitely put Ellie above Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. But Who's below Sean and Ed from yes. Shaun of the Dead. Say that three times fast. Sean and Ed. From I, Shaun I'm Dead. with that. I could be okay. There you go. Joe, you gotta watch those movies, Joe. They're real good. I've seen. I've, well, I've seen Hot Fuzz. I, what are the other? I've seen Scott Pilgrim. What else is on the list? Shaun of the Dead. I've seen that. And the but like I haven't end. seen them all in like ten years. Oh uh, yeah, I've never I mean, seen it's one of good. it's one of those Joe that you're like oh, I liked it back then. You watch it now with new eyes. You're like God damn, what a masterpiece these yeah, movies it's are. Fucking great. Yeah. Well, there uh, you go. Now, there you go. Now it's time to rank the Edgar Wright movies. Uh, what we're gonna do here is try to vote and we'll see if the vote goes through without Greg. Uh, if it doesn't, we'll have to keep it for the next time an Edgar Wright movie comes and we'll get his review then. Uh, but currently number one, we got Hot Fuzz. Number two, we have Shaun of the Dead. Number three, we have Scott Pilgrim. Number four, we have Baby Driver. And number five, we have The World's End. Who I would like to start? May I? You may, Kevin. I uh, I like this movie, but a lot of these movies are masterpieces. God, I, Hot Fuzz being all the way up there, that sounds crazy. No, um, you're crazy. You're crazy. All right, everyone chill the fuck out. I'm not saying it should be fucking five. <laughs> Punch right? that shit. Um, I think personally, I, I like Baby Driver more, and so I think I'd have to put this movie at number five. Yes, but, Kevin, same here. But I want to just be clear. Five through fucking... Like, these movies are all, with the exception of The World's End, phenomenal movies. Phenomenal movies. Wait, even you know? the movie we saw last night was a phenomenal movie. No, Ke- no, I think no, Kevin's I'm saying, saying on like, that oh, list, the list that I now. Yeah, the, the, I, I think I'd rate this at a lot, like, seven and a half. Okay, which is okay, pretty sorry, good. I misunderstood you. But I thought you said everything movies else was phenomenal. four and above, sorry, four and above are all, like, amazing movies. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that. I would say the Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are amazing movies. Then there's a sizable drop off uh, yeah, to the movies agree. below. And with that, I, I think I that this lot. movie might, might work a little bit better than Scott Pilgrim does as a movie. But I could not rank it above it. I do think that this is easily better than Baby Driver. Baby Driver has a couple better moments, but this movie works better as a movie and is, I just think, captivating the entire time. Whereas Baby Driver mm-hmm. is very, very good. But I, I would edge this above it, and I'd put this at number four. I was way higher on Baby Driver in the ranking, and I think I wanted it over Scott Pilgrim, if I remember correctly. I, I would put this at number five underneath Baby Driver. I think it's just a much more solid film all the way through. It It's satisfying, and I am... I don't know, I just... It's not that this is a scary movie. That's why I, don't, why, why I didn't like it. I just feel like it wasn't... Um, I think I've kind of just let me down near the end of it. Yeah, I th- I think I would also put this at number five. Um, I'm not a hu- as like I talked about when we did the review. I'm not a huge fan of Baby Driver. Um, but I think 
I found that movie a lot more entertaining and straightforward than this. This one just was a lot of different elements that I kind of wish it was, uh, they, they kind of pared it down a little bit and had focused a little bit more on Ellie's story rather than uh, the horror aspects of the film. So for that, uh, I would probably put it firmly at number five, right above World's End at number six. So that means the new rankings of Edgar Wright in review. Number one, Hot Fuzz. Number two, Shaun of the Dead. Number three, Scott Pilgrim. Number four, Baby Driver. Number five, Last Night in Soho. And number six, The World's End. Pretty damn solid list. I'm proud of this one, guys. I'm I think we did either. a good job. Yeah, yeah. I we didn't Spider-Man this one. <laughs> we didn't Spider-Man this one. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, let us know in the comments below what you think of Last Night in Soho when you go to see it. If you have any option to go watch it in a Dolby Atmos theater, please okay. do that. It is so, so much of enhancement to the I experience. Thought, Tim, I thought we were sitting in D-Box. Like... That's how much the seats were vibrating. <laughs> like I felt it below me, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's something fucking special, baby. Uh, but we will return next week with In Review. We got Ghostbusters 2 and the return to MCU in Review with The Eternals, because that's next Ooh. week, guys. Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So Super nice fun. time. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>